Love Talk Radio. When all foundations have been shaken, when I'm left standing in the dark, and all I feel is my heart breaking, you still reign and you're still God. And when it feels all hope is
Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love that little song right there. You still reign and you're still God. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what the enemies say, people say, it does not matter because he is still God. And he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that if we believe on that son, we won't perish but have everlasting life. I thank God for Jesus this morning. I thank him that he found a way to create and redeem us back to him. He created a way to redeem us and bring us back to him. Because again, this morning, Adam and Eve separated us from God. Oh, but look at it. He yet so loved us, created a way to bring us back to him. So today we have him. We have the son. He's our mediator. He's the one that take our message to almighty God. He takes our petition to the father. And I always believe because he, the son, yeah, is taking it to the father. The father know that the son is not going to bring no foolishness, no nonsense, nothing that's against the father. And so because the, the son brought it, and God loves his begotten son, not only does he hear our petitions, but he answers. Yeah, he's the answer to the world today. The world don't know it, but Jesus truly is the answer for the world today. Because if we get in him, allow him to get in us, and we obey his word, we'll be on one accord like they was on the day of Pentecost. They was in one place at the same time with the same mind. And the promise came, the Holy Spirit, the promise of God came, filled them, filled every one of them. Hallelujah. So if the world could just grasp that and catch hold to it, and we obey we all would be on one accord in good standings. God could fix every situation because we're taking our burdens to the Lord and leaving them there. See, when we pray, we have to leave it with God. We can't pray and bring it back with us. That means we're still holding on to it. But when we give it to God, we let it go and keep moving. Some people say, well, how's she going through that and she's so happy, Jesus? Oh, they took all her stuff. Oh, and she act like they ain't took nothing. I have more than in me. I have greater in me. For greater is he that lives within me than he that is in the world. I have greater. I have an almighty God that have all power. Hey, I feel all right right there. He's on my side today in spite of me. He's looking beyond my fault, yet meeting my needs. He's for me, therefore he's more than the whole world against me. I can cast my cares upon him, for he careth for me. But I can't do all of these things and hold on to my situations, how bad I'm feeling, uh, the bad things I'm going through. No, I have to let it go. And God will make it easy. He'll make it bearable. He'll make it so I can bear these things and go through. Hallelujah. Because some things are tougher than others. 
Yeah, that, that last trial I was in, it, it was a little rough, but this one that's coming going to be rougher than that one. So I hold on, hallelujah. Hold on to God through prayer. Hold on to his word by obeying it. And it all is going to work together for my good. Let me tell y'all something. I can remember wanting to move in this community. And the place where I wanted to move, the house, I, I just wanted it. Oh, I wanted it so bad. God did not allow because had I moved in that house, I would have been stuck there forever. Not only that, when the bad times came that the neighborhood turned bad, I still would have been there. So he didn't allow me to get the house. There had been some jobs I wanted. He didn't allow me to get the job because had I got the job, it would have destroyed me. The word says, his word, all things are going to work together for my good. Not only did he call me, but he chose me and I love him. Yeah, so whatever's going on, it's going to work together for my good. But he's not going to give me what will not end up being for my good. I don't care what it is, sickness, can't pay bills, children acting a fool, husband, wife acting a pure donkey. It does not matter. If we hold on to him and wait on him, it all will bring about a great testimony unto us. Today is Testimony Friday. Will this be the Friday that you testify of the goodness of the Lord? Will this be the Friday that you tell what he's done in you and in your life? Is this the Friday that you want to talk of the goodness of the Lord? Making known his deeds among, among the people. Talking of his wondrous works. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we thank God this morning for all he has done for us. Because he has done great and mighty things, and he continues to do great and mighty things for us. Listen, I have uh, a few testimonies I want to share this morning, and uh, preferably we'll bring the word today uh, from Evangelist Carter uh, Cologne, and his message is the last of the last days. And so I wanted to play this one again, but only if we have the time. So we're going to get started early. We're going to prayer. And uh, after prayer, we're going to our first testimony. Well, I tell you what, after prayer, we're going to read a scripture. And then after the scripture, we'll go to the first testimony of the day. Let's pray. Imagine starting your day, not just with a cup of coffee or a quick glance at your phone, but with a powerful assurance that today can be extraordinary. Picture yourselves stepping into each moment, fueled not just by your plans and efforts, but by a divine promise of guidance and blessing. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, so watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. My friends, in the quiet moments of our mornings, 
lies a precious opportunity to shape the hours ahead with hope, grace, and intention. It is in these serene early moments that we find our hearts most open to the whispers of God and where our souls are most receptive to his guiding hand. Let us reflect on the words from Psalm 118, verse 24, which says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This verse isn't just a statement. It's an invitation to align our hearts with a spirit of gratitude and joy. It reminds us that each day is a divine gift, intricately woven with possibilities and opportunities for us to discover and embrace. As we pray for a good day, we are not merely asking for favorable circumstances. We are also seeking to tune in our hearts to the beauty and blessings that each day holds. When we approach our day with prayer, we are not just hoping for the best. We are placing our trust in the one who holds all our days in his hands. We acknowledge that our own strength is limited, but in God, we find an unlimited source of strength, wisdom, and peace. Therefore, our prayer becomes a powerful testament to our faith, a declaration that we choose to rely on God's promises and his unfailing love to guide us through the day. As we face the unknowns of the day with courage, we ask not just for the absence of trouble, but for the presence of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace becomes our steady companion, guiding our thoughts, words, and actions, turning ordinary moments into extraordinary encounters with God's grace. As we seek God for a good day, we seek to align our will with God's will. It is in this sacred exchange that we find the essence of a truly good day, one that is not measured merely by worldly successes, but also by how closely we walk with the Lord. It's about seeing his hand in every detail, feeling his presence in every challenge, and hearing his voice in the quiet whispers of our hearts. So, my friends, let us come together in prayer, not only wishing for a better day, but as a powerful act of faith and surrender. Let us pray with hearts, full of hope, trusting that God is with us, guiding our steps and turning every day into a testament of his love and faithfulness. Today, as we seek a good day, let's remember that it begins here, in this moment of prayer, where heaven touches earth and your heart finds true joy in the Lord's embrace. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Heavenly Father, Creator of the heavens and earth. I come before you with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving. 
Your majesty and glory are beyond comprehension, and your love for us is unending. I exalt your holy name and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and in your presence I find true peace and fulfillment. Lord, I thank you for this new day, a precious gift from your generous hands. I am grateful for the breath in my lungs, the strength in my body, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is as boundless as the sky. For the love and grace that you have given to me and my loved ones, I am eternally thankful. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. As I stand in your presence, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. Cleanse my heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness or resentment, for in forgiveness I find freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare victory over my day. I seek your guidance and wisdom in every decision I make. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Enlighten my mind with your divine insight and help me discern your will in all things. In every conversation, every interaction, in every choice, let your wisdom be my guide. Lord, I ask for your strength and courage. In moments of weakness, be my fortress. When I face trials and tribulations, be my rock. Let your courage fill my heart, enabling me to overcome obstacles and stand firm against the winds of adversity. I am grateful that in your strength I can achieve all things, for with you all things are possible. I pray for your peace to surround me today. Let it guard my heart and mind. In the midst of chaos, let your peace reign. Let it be a beacon of hope to those around me, a testament to your calming presence in my life. Protect me, Lord, from all harm. Be my shield and defender against the schemes of the enemy. Keep me and my loved ones safe under the shadow of your wings. Deliver us from all evil and lead us away from temptation. Protect us in our going out and our coming in, today and forevermore. I pray for health and well-being, not just for myself, but also for my loved ones. Heal us from every sickness and disease. Mend what is broken within us and revive what has grown weary. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician, the healer of all our ailments, and in your hands there is restoration and peace. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and I claim that promise over our lives today. I pray for deliverance 
from the spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and discouragement, and ask for your powerful intervention to break these chains and set me free in the name of Jesus. Lord, prosper the work of my hands. Open doors of opportunity and bless my goals and aspirations. May your abundance flow in my life and let me be a blessing to others. In your loving kindness, I ask that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, fill me with your love and compassion. Let me be a vessel of your grace, showing kindness and understanding to everyone I encounter. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all forms of attacks by the enemy. I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I bind the spirit of delay, disappointment, and stagnation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bonds of oppression and any plans of the enemy to derail your purpose for my life. Lord, as I say this prayer together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. As we come in agreement, praying for each other, let your Holy Spirit move among us, touching every life, healing every wound, and fulfilling every need. In your infinite grace, we ask that you align your blessings to meet us right where we are. May your favor be upon us. May your protection surround us. And may your peace dwell within us. We declare that everything is working for us and not against us. Deliver us from all accidents and negative incidents. We are grateful that your goodness and mercies shall follow us all the days of our lives. Gracious Lord, we pray that you will help us to have a good day today. We claim victory over our challenges, declare healing over our bodies, and we thank you for your unwavering protection. As this day ends, we return with hearts full of thankfulness for every lesson learned, for every blessing received. We give you glory. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us, comfort us, and empower us in all our ways. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer. Amen, amen, and amen again. Our scripture reading this morning, we're looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and we're going to start at chapter 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. But this is the whole duty of man. 14 says, For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether whether it be good or whether it be evil. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God 
keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. This is why we were born. To fear God and keep his commandments. It's our job. It's what we're supposed to do. Because of this, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Whatever we've done, good or bad, good or evil, God will judge it. Hallelujah. Not man, but God will judge it. And so we're thankful unto him this morning because God is not like man. Yeah. And we're thankful for this. Listen, we're going to one uh, request of the morning. And after the request of this song, we're going to take a listen at our first testimony. I am what you created me to be. I'm full of something tonight. I'm full of possibilities tonight. And every possibility in me must manifest. Somebody lift up your hands and say, it's time for me to manifest. Oh, I wish I had somebody to declare it. Somebody say, it's time for me to manifest.
over you. You are what God designed you to be. You to be. Speak it over somebody. Tell them. You are. You are. Anybody glad about that tonight? Come on. I just need every worshiper. Anybody that's not ashamed of the Lord. Come on. Lift your hands and say it with us. Everything he declared about you. Come on, I need you to nudge your neighbor. Look at somebody and let them know. You are, yes. You are. What God is designed. You to be, yes. Hey, everybody prophesy over yourself. Say it with great conviction right now. I am. So here I am now, by 10 buying weed from my neighbor, I start hanging out with people that are smoking weed, pretending like I'm dealing it. I had some false aurelia, this plant that has like, looks like marijuana, I tried selling it, I got busted in school. And then I'm hanging out with people and they're like, hey, try some sprinkling some coke on it. And so I did, and then snorting coke, and then let's get an eight ball, and then let's bring the eight ball to church camp. And how old are you at this time? 13, 14, come home, my dad, says, you're acting weird. Let me smell your breath. And I was not having it. I'm like, no, let me smell your breath right now. And he raised his voice and I said, I'm out of here. I probably cussed him out, hopped over the fence, ran as far as I could run with my skateboard. I was uh, rock bottom. I see this one guy and I start being drawn to him. My name's Mark. His name is Marcus. So I just said one day, dude, we have so much in common. What's the difference between me and you? He just said, it's the love of God. Well, Pastor Mark, it is an honor to be here with you in California. The Lord brought us all the way out here to record your testimony. For those who don't know you, maybe have not seen you, could you just introduce yourself to those who are watching on the other side of the screen? Yeah, um, uh, you may call me Pastor, but I'm more of a reggae artist, I guess you could say. A producer, evangelist, musicianary is what we call ourselves. And I've had the privilege of uh, ministering in 91 nations for the last 34 years, going around the world as a musicianary and preaching the gospel to as many as possible through reggae music with my band, Christafari, with my lovely wife, Avion, and our daughter, Ziza, and, and other band members that are like family members to us. It's a blessing. Come on. Well, Mark, it's an honor, again, like I said, to have you to be here with you. Um, let's start with your with your childhood. Um, did you grow up in a in a in a Christian home? Did you know about Jesus? Tell us about your testimony, starting with your childhood. My uh, mom came to Christ first. 
And then my mom brought my dad to a Billy Graham crusade, and he was he was all logic, and and uh, eventually, you know what? God worked something through him, um, and he gave his life to Christ. One of the things that God used in that was my um, my mom had quite a few miscarriages before she had me, and the day that they found out that they were going approved to adopt a kid, they then find out they're pregnant again for wow. the third or fourth time after having a bunch of miscarriages. And they said, well, we'll try. And so my mom was bedridden the entire time. My dad couldn't get work, so he had to go to D.C. to do work. And that was something that really led them closer to each other and closer to the Lord. And a lot of prayers went over me, as you can imagine. My mom in bed, can't get up. My older brother, who is seven years older than me, we waiting on her at six years old. And um, just a lot of a lot of intentional what you know what this kid could be someday, and then of course I came out and I my mom said I was like the best kid ever for the first few years I was uh, I started going to church at two by about two we moved to where we live now uh, near the Palos Verdes Peninsula at that time just kind of raised in the church everything was great I was a kid that my parents loved and I loved my parents. And I remember at about four or five hearing the gospel, and I prayed that prayer. And I imagine inviting this little action figure-sized Jesus into my heart, like like, like Luke Skywalker was, because I was a Star Wars fan. Okay, Jesus, come into my heart, and I invited him, and I prayed the prayer, and I and I did feel like like something changed in me. And then I remember sharing testimonies from from stage or, or, or memory scriptures from stage or being in in the plays at, sta- at at church, and then I started getting into acting at school and church, and those are the good years, up until about nine years old, and that's when things started to go south for me. Pretty young age to go south, but what happened was um, my dad and I have personalities that are very similar, and so I think because of that we clashed, and uh, I I just became more disobedient. Or and and I think part of it is the way he was raised as well. His dad wasn't a I love you son and give him a big hug and I'm proud of you and and so he showed us that he loved us by working and taking care of us and he was a scoutmaster. I was a boy scout and sometimes that meant that I as a scoutmaster's son that I was the if I made a mistake I was the example. So that caused me to start to look for acceptance from other older figures, whether in Boy Scouts or in church. Or in school, I always found myself around groups of people that were two or three years older than me. In my brother's case, seven years older, he would have the neighbors come over. My parents would go out for the evening, and the neighbors would bring over a bong, would bring over some beer, and I would try to fit in. I try to be cool. This is okay. This is what adults do. Okay, you know, we're told not to eat ice cream for breakfast, yet some adults do. <laughs> we're told not to drink, yet some adults do. Okay, maybe I can try this. And I remember having my first beer. I hated it, but I pretended like I liked it. It was the emperor's new clothes. First cigarette from another kid from Boy Scouts, coughing. and <laughs> Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then, of course, I wanted to be cool, so I was then encouraging others to do it. I'm at nine right now. Wow. First hit of marijuana. I don't remember feeling anything. Who knows? It was probably backyard boogie. It probably didn't really got. But by 10, I was buying marijuana from my next-door neighbor. I didn't realize the gravity of it. I, I think my parents, because they, 
I mean, they said nope to dope just like everybody did in the Reagan, Reagan era, but they didn't know the signs. They didn't have that history, that past with any of those things. And so I, it wasn't like I was raised watching an alcoholic saying, I don't want to do that or I'm going to be like that or any of those things. My dad would come home and he would drink after work. He'd go, he'd kind of decompress with a glass of whatever gin or whatever. That was all I saw. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad example. It was just a, that was what men did that were, you know, in, in the seventies. So here I am now by 10 buying weed from my neighbor. Then I start hanging out with people that are smoking weed, pretending like I'm dealing it. I had some false aurelia, this plant that has like, looks like marijuana. I tried selling it. I got busted in school. And then I flunked fourth grade. I only found out years later that my mom was the reason why I flunked it because she thought I needed to learn a lesson. <laughs> that was just because, well, I was getting D's and F's, but I was using at the time and I was 10, you know, I really, it didn't, I still didn't clue in and I just got worse. And then I'm hanging out with people and they're like, Hey, try some sprinkling some Coke on it. Or, and so I did, and then snorting Coke, and then let's get an eight ball, and then let's bring the eight ball to church camp. And how old are you at this time? 13, 14. Wow. Bad, bad. 15, I, I lost my virginity in Jamaica. I went to Jamaica with the family, and my parents didn't know how far gone I was, and they let my brother watch me. And my brother was in a fraternity at the time. He was, a, he was you know, kind of partying, and so... Bought some weed and, uh, you know, lost my virginity there. And that was that was a, a, like a watershed moment for me. All the innocence is gone now. And I'm leaving Jamaica with this memory. You know, I, I did something that you should only do when you're married. And now I have this soul tie with this person. I don't even know their last name and um, never see again. And I wanted something to remember to remind me of it. And so I brought back some reggae. Brought back some marijuana seeds in the cap of my, my fedora and started growing that. Had 13 plants in my parents' backyard. <laughs> we had a fairly large backyard. The plants were so big, you wouldn't think it was marijuana. And then uh, started dealing that, giving it away, you know, rolling the 10-sheet joint just for fun or making a big old tea or just and then you're so stoned when you're harvesting, you don't even remember where you put the stuff until you find it a year later or whatever. It was just like, I was messed up. And then each time I would be smoking or dealing or giving away to friends, they would say, hey, try this, LSD. Now I'm having a bad trip. I did LSD. Probably took about 100 hits. Let's just say that anybody gives me trouble, I am legally insane. <laughs> I've taken so much of that crud. And that stuff took me on a wild ride, just night after night, just going like this with cigarettes in the mirror, going through my grandma's carpet, trying to see the other world. And they're like, it's Dr. Seuss. Just stupid, man. I was, and imagine that. You're 14 years old. You're 15 years old. You're doing this. Finally, my parents catch on. Finally. You know, I've, now I've used crack, meth, coke. I'm dealing marijuana. We've got this gang. It's not a gang. It's four guys. We called ourselves the ESPVN, East Side Palos Verdes Nuis. This was our gang symbol. And each person had their own thing. We were wannabes. 
one guy made sure we all had cigarettes. The other guy made sure we all had weeds. One guy made sure we all had Coke. He was a snowman. I was Pele. I made sure that everyone had their recommended Lely allowance, made sure that everyone had sex regularly. And I've never shared any of this stuff in a testimony. I always kind of just say, I've tried everything that the world had, had to offer. And it's horrible. It's garbage. But I mean, we were bad, man. Parties and I guess what kills me now as a father of a daughter is our goal was de to deflower people, hmm. if you know what I mean. That kills me now. And it was, it was an addiction, as bad as any of those other things. I was so addicted. I went to camp. My parents would make me go to camp, youth camp, junior high, high school, for seven years, summer, winter. At first, I was just smoking, and then it was weed. Then I would bring, like I said, cocaine to the camp. So the guy would be preaching. I would go into the bathroom and do a line. I'd come back with a bloody nose, and I'd hear the altar call. And You know what, though? At the end of each one of those camps, I felt God saying, come to me. And so I would pray that prayer. But just like clockwork, I would go back home. Same friends, same parties, same drugs, and I'd be worse. So eventually, when my parents really caught on, I was grounded. I mean, grounded, grounded. So I'd sneak out at night. And and, and Mark, before you yeah. move on from there, talk to me about that that moment of your parents catching on. Because here, here's a kid yeah. that is going to wow. children's camp and everything yeah, is yeah. all good. Mm. What was that like? I, I never I never really think about that. Thanks for reminding me. You know, my parents would be out. I'd drink all their the alcohol and then puke everywhere or be at a friend's. And that, that they never caught on. I think the first time they caught on was they were listening on the phone and I was talking to my friend and I said, oh, you got that tie bud or whatever. And then he said, yeah. And then my mom's like, I'm listening on the phone. And I'm like, tie-dye t-shirts. <laughs> it was that. Or then I got called in by the principal's office. I had a joint roller. I had a cocaine, this thing called a bullet. So you could just go. And then just, you know, it had a little valve in it. And in the, in my hat, I had a patch. And I, in high school, I I had a, always had a quarter of, of cocaine in there. And I would do lines in the class. And so I got caught with that stuff, with the paraphernalia, but without the drugs. And that was when they called me to the principal's office. At that point, I couldn't really deny that anything was happening. So then it was counseling. Then it was AA it was N.A. It was sitting around in a circle and talking about our feelings. It was my dad's name is Ed. Ed, you, you can't have alcohol in the house anymore. OK, um, you know, Margaret, you need to. And it was just I just shut down. I did not open up to them. I would not. You know, I was just in denial. From then on, it was them against me. And I knew what was best. I got arrested three times. Um, each time I was hanging out with older people. And each time because of my age, they released me. First time was um, on a golf course, and it was trespassing and what they called vandalism, breaking and entering, well, whatever it was. The second time, it was a grant, attempted grand theft auto. And again, I live right next to a police station, so they just called my parents. I was a kid. I said, I was just playing around like in the movies. And they let me go. And then the third time, it's cocaine. And at that time, I was probably 16-ish. They released me to the recognizance of my parents. Again, thank God, no criminal record. But you can't hide from those things. 
You know, you swear, no, 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 they found the dust on the mirror. We tried to sweep it off really quick when we saw the cops. But so they were they were intentional. Then it was you got to meet with this pastor. You got to meet with this youth pastor. You got to you got to you know, all these these people were I was the pray for the drug addicted youth, the anonymous drug addicted youth. I was that guy. It was all things were coming in like this. And as I was grounded, I would sneak out. Then I would come home. My dad would let me smell your breath and strip down. And, what are you? and, you know, and I was off drinking and having sex with a girl somewhere. My parents caught me in bed with somebody at our house. I was stupid, man. So I was grounded, 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 grounded. But I could go for a bike ride. So first day of summer, I was 16. I go for a bike ride, go down to the beach, get drunk, hook up with the girl, Come home, my dad says, you're acting weird. Let me smell your breath. And I was not having it. I'm like, no. And he and I just clashed. Let me smell your breath right now. And he raised his voice and I said, I'm out of here. I probably cussed him out. Hopped over the fence, ran as far as I could run with my skateboard. Every time a car came, I hid in the bushes. I was done. It was over. Went to my friend's house, my drug friend's house. Lived there for a little bit until his mom said, you got to get out. Which another, then it was party to party, and I was living the life. In summer, it's easy to do that, not so much when summer ends. But eventually, people's parents come home, and so then I found myself sleeping on the beach, waking up with sand in my ear, homeless, waking up in, in a gutter and vomit. I was uh, rock bottom. Now I'm living in an abandoned house with a bunch of drug addicts. In Palos Verdes, there's not many abandoned houses in Palos Verdes. It's a nice area. And everybody's like jonesing. How can we, let's steal a friend's TV and go down to San Pedro and sell it for some PCP. Or let's do this or that. I'm seeing these addicts fight all the time in the house, push each other through walls, punch walls. I'm living in a, it's like a, just a concrete room that hadn't been renovated with the concrete floor and one mattress, no sheet, no pillow, just soaked in cat urine because there was wild cats around. It was horrible. Then we started following old ladies home from from the, the grocery store and waiting till they took their first bag of groceries into the house and then running and grabbing the rest. It was I couldn't I couldn't do that. I was like, this is not right. At this time, my brother, he stopped doing anything that I was doing with him years earlier. He became a missionary and he's in Alaska. So I feel betrayed kind of by him, you know. He's, he used to be the guy I'd pop into his room and tell him my feelings, and now he's gone, and he's with Jesus, and it was just weird. But I remember him writing a letter to me. That was kind of a an impetus for me to think about going home. And uh, my parents eventually, when they found out where I was, they had police looking for me, firemen looking for me. Everybody was hunting me down trying to find out where I lived, or if I was all right. I, you know, Now it's pray for the runaway youth in the church bullet, and I was the kid. They prayed for me a lot. My parents were in a Bible study group for 35 years straight. Oh, those guys prayed for me. God bless them. They're now my supporters, by the way. <laughs> um, my parents finally found me, reached out to me. At about that time, I realized that I couldn't steal to make a living, and I couldn't live the way I was. I was 16 with no work experience. So I got a job working as a janitor's assistant. 
at first I thought it was cool, but then I realized it was a, an elementary school and you don't want to know what kids do with poo in bathrooms in elementary school. The sinks and they clog everything with those big brown paper towels. And then it's just so the floor is covered in floaties, if you know what I mean. And, and the guy's like, yeah, I'm not doing this. This is your job. So every day I got the job that the janitor didn't want to do. And that that point, that was my prodigal son moment. That was my the toilets in my parents' house just so much cleaner. The food, the fridge in my parents' house is so much more full. And my parents said, come home, son. And so I did. And I'm so glad I did. And that, in many ways, was like the predecessor to my real coming home. And how old were you at that time? At that time, I was 16 and a half. Wow. At that point, they they first said, just take out your earrings. That's all you got to do. And uh, so I did. Of course, I got them back in. Sorry, sorry, folks. And then it was, oh, no, you can't use drugs in our house. And I was like, oh, I don't remember hearing that. And they, they, first they wanted me safe, and then they started battening down the hatches and, and it, you know, started to really make sure that, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm a prisoner again. So I'm doing my junior high, I mean, my junior year in high school, you know, I'm still the guy partying. I'm having to take piss tests all the time now. Sorry, urine test, tests. <laughs> and um, trying to figure out creative ways to, to pass them with friends coming over and use giving me their urine or whatever. And then my parents are like, oops, we accidentally spilled it. We need another. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, I couldn't fool them. But something happened right before my senior year of high school. I had a desire and my parents were very smart. They used this desire to their, to God's glory. <laughs> I wanted to go to Hawaii with one of my party friends. When we were, I was about eight years old, nine years old. We went to Hawaii as a family. For me, that was like, my favorite moment in my family childhood history, as I recall back, we had this, you know, the, the book with all the photos. That was the one. That was the highlight. So I wanted to go back there, and I especially wanted to go back there because of Pakololo, because of the Kona gold, because of the ganja, the, the weed. My parents said, no, you can't go. I said, please, 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 I want to go with my friend. And they said, only if you go to this camp. I'm like, throw in a bodyboard and Hawaii, and I'll go to the camp. <laughs> I was a good negotiator. My mom always said, you're either going to be a really good salesman, a lawyer, or a convict, a criminal. <laughs> I think I was all of the above sometime. So I said, okay, I'll get into a camp. You know, I've done many camps. Summer camp's only a week. This one was two. Hmm. The, all of the ones were up in like Big Bear, like right next to where we're at. This one was in Northern California. Hmm. All the other ones were with my friends. I could bring one drug friend. I, you know, misery loves company. This one was alone. But I, I really wanted to go to Hawaii. So I did. And now I'm surrounded in a school bus with a bunch of Christians singing of his love forever. And it's annoying. I'm so annoyed by these Christians. For me, they're plastic. They're fake. They have happy, love, joy. I didn't have that crap. I had a girlfriend that would supposedly make me happy when I got back. The night before I go to this camp, I... I had sex with my 30-year-old vocal instructor. Got drunk with her. Never told anybody that. I am not proud of that. But that's just how far off I was, how far gone I was before I went to the camp. But I'm going to tell you the after. i got to tell you the before. And this, is, this isn't the 700 Club version. This is the real version. <laughs> this is the, the unadulterated, don't have your kids watch it. But, yeah, so I go to this camp, and I'm, like, trying to find 
the like-minded, the dark to hover into. And I see this one guy, and I start being drawn to him. And he's he's got his own shed, his own like little shack that he's in. And my name's Mark. His name is Marcus. He has a pet tarantula. I'm playing with this, you know, this venomous thing. It's and we're listening to the same music. My favorite band, Steel Pulse, is his favorite band. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And then we start sharing testimonies. You were in a gang too? No way. You got arrested for coke? No way. And we start sharing these things. And I'm like, dude, you're me. We're like maybe the same age a year apart or something. Turns out he was up there because he was running because people wanted to get him. And I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. But then something hit me. He's like me in the past, but he's not like me in the future. There was a glimmer, a glow, a light in his eyes. Similar to the light that I see in your eyes right now as you're interviewing me. He'd seen something. So I said, just said one day, dude, we have so much in common. What's the difference between me and you? Now, my parents, I said earlier, my parents had made me sit down with pastor after pastor after pastor. And dude, walls were up. Nobody was getting through. Didn't matter what they threw at me. They would have me sit down every single week. And listening to Dr. James Dobson, Focus on the Family cassettes, nothing was getting through. I was a fortress. But from the inside, I could open up that vault and let someone in if I wanted to. And on that very moment, I let him in. Say, what's the difference between you and I? And he didn't give me that sermon. He just said, it's the love of God. And he didn't lean in and start preaching at me. It was like... A lozenge I was sucking on for the rest of the night. The next day, I hear the story. It was an embellished prodigal son story. It was a modern-day version. This guy had done the drugs that I had done. This guy had slept around. This guy had run away and come home like I'd come home. But had I really come home? And that was the, the moment. And I'm pretty sure the evangelist at that camp J.H. Ranch up in Northern California. I'm pretty sure that day he's like, huh, pretty small turnout. Only a few people came forward. Now that one guy with the little wannabe dreads, the tie-dye shirt, and everything he's wearing is ready on green. But when I came forward, I remember following it at this, I was on a rock on my knees just weeping. And I just said, I'm done. I reached the end of myself. I said, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I am done with this sin. Gonna break up with my girlfriend when I get home. I am not gonna do this anymore. I believe it was genuine, but I'd prayed something like that before many times. So then I go to this guy, Marcus, and I say, dude, I did it, man. I prayed the prayer. I'm so excited. And and I was expecting that um, Philippians 4.13 pat on the back, you know. You can do all things. Good for you. The high five. And he pulled open the scriptures. And I'm like, ooh, what's he going to say? And he's talking about an evil spirit going out of a man and going into the wilderness. I'm like, that's dark. Then coming back to the man and finding him swept, clean, empty, and put in order, and then going back and getting all his wicked brothers and coming back and dwelling in him. And I'm like, dude, what kind of buzzkill is this, man? You're supposed to give me a high five. You're supposed to give me an attaboy. And he said, no. He said, the key verse in here is empty. If you are empty when you leave here, you're going to be worse than you were before. And that's what happened. That was the difference between the 
cigarette to the weed, to the weed, to the cocaine, the cocaine, to the LSD, to the meth, to the crack, to the opium. Every time I prayed that prayer, I would end up being like the dog going back to my vomit and worse with the same friends, same parties. So I said, so what do I do? Well, you can't be empty anymore. Well, what do I do? You got to read the word every day, every day, 21 days straight, make it a habit, quiet time with God, you and him, you fill up. And I did think the first day that I broke of that stride was about two years in. That's not a look at me, glory to me thing. That's how committed I was of, I'm going to do this. And something magical happened within that. I remember hopping from rock to rock at this camp afterwards, just me and God talking. You know, I'm trying to make, like, what do I do? Okay, i got to break up with my girlfriend. I've got to call my parents. got to tell them. I get this letter from my dad with his whole testimony. He, he never opened up to me like that before about how he came to Christ and how he wished that I had. And I got to call him and say, I did. And I just got baptized right here in the pool. And they were just over the moon excited. Then as I'm hopping from rock to rock, I felt like one rock was Jesus. And then as I hopped to the next one, my favorite thing was reggae, man. I brought it back from Jamaica after I lost my virginity. I started singing about it when I was growing my plantation. I used to sing about how I was a white man Rasta. Native Californian, if you had a joint that you don't want, that I will smoke it for you, man. I was that dude. I was the life of the party. The guy who was literally in my high school yearbook. It says the next, somebody was next Donald Trump, the next Michael Jordan. I was the next Bob Marley <laughs> in my high school yearbook. I just, <laughs> and here I, here I was singing songs about weed, and I was drawn into Rastafari in my years of using drugs because they were singing about about Jehovah, but they were also saying it's okay to smoke weed. So I was like, great. The religion of my choice, of my parents, kind of, and the weed of my choice. But now I felt Jesus was saying, no, you put Jesus and reggae together. Jesus reggae, Christian reggae, gospel reggae. That was it. That's what I was going to do. I was going to do Christian reggae. So I come home from the camp. Before I even unpack or anything, I get a call from the high school youth pastor saying, hey, I just heard you came back from JH, and I want you to share your testimony. My parents never called him. I don't know who called him. I don't know how they how he found out. But not even one Sunday comes, and I'm already sharing my testimony for all the junior hires. I was pretty pretty blunt about some of the things I used to do, <laughs> a little too, too uh, honest. But then they're like, hey, you want to go to another camp? In two weeks, we have another camp. Sure, I'd love to. I forgot about Hawaii. They didn't even care about it anymore. When I got home, no longer was I grounded. No longer did I have a curfew. My parents just gave me grace, praise the Lord. And I ran and I used it as a rope to rescue others rather than tying a noose. So I'm at a camp and I sit down and have my quiet time. And the the cabin leader from my cabin was the bassist for the worship team and a rock band. And these guys were like... You know, they're cool. And so I then uh, wrote a melody during my quiet time. It's like, I got this idea. And then I hear that there's a talent show. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Hey, you think you guys can do reggae? We can try. And the bassist looked at me and he said, you're not a Rastafarian anymore. You're a Christafarian. And that was it. Two weeks into giving my life to Christ, I was committed. I broke up with the girl. 
I was good with my parents. I was now sharing my faith. And now I'm singing on stage at this talent show. They loved it so much. I go back to church and they're like, hey, sing it on stage at church at a youth service in front of the whole congregation. I did. That drug friend that I did all those drugs with, I tried my best to connive him into the kingdom the night before. Got him to pray the prayer, but I think I just forcefully did it. I was such a diehard, zealous evangelist, but he joined me on stage that night. It was one of those moments where I was like, okay, this is it. Then my youth pastor said, if you're serious, well, let's go and do this at your church, at your school. So I did it for my high school. They teased the crap out of me saying, sorry, can I say that? <laughs> they teased the crud out of me. <laughs> uh, they said, oh, so you're not a, a, a dope dealer anymore. No, I'm a hope dealer. Uh, you're a Jesus freak back before it was cool. I embraced it. We played a concert at the school. I saw 30 of my friends come to Christ, wow. started a Bible study group with all these ex-druggy guys. The funny thing is all the things my parents made me listen to and sit through with all these AA meetings and all this stuff, all of a sudden it was, it was a rotodial. I could just pull from it at any time because even though I put up those walls, it didn't return void. And now I was a rescued that has now become the rescuer. And now I had a mission save my friends. The band said, hey, yeah, this is cool for you know, the final show was my birthday, 18th birthday. We did a whole concert. And then he's like, they're like, this is going to be our last. We want you to put together your own band. And my youth pastor's like, if you're serious, you should go to Bible college. You need to get doctrinally sound. And so first thing I did after graduating from high school, go on a missions trip to Jamaica, start evangelizing all the Rastas, going smuggling Bibles, bringing them backstage, and giving them out to every artist, thinking, I'm going to get one of them saved, then they're going to change the industry. Hmm. And we saw a few saved, some big ones, some famous ones. Even Damien Marley prayed the prayer with us. Pato Bantan, others. But the problem was they didn't have the discipleship, the accountability, the, the follow-up. And no matter how many times I would reach out to them, tour life is not an easy way to do it. And each time they got picked off by the crows or the thorns or the thistles, the weeds. And it was tough. All the while, I feel God was saying, yeah, you think the solution is these people coming to Christ. You're going to be the artist. If I had one goal, it would be to do Reggae Sunsplash. First tour, Reggae Sunsplash. We did it. 46 cities, 53 days. The lead artist, Buju Bantan, tried to stab me with a knife three times because of my stance of who Jesus is. It was hardcore. It wasn't easy, but we stayed the course, and we still, 34 years later, still have stayed the course. Wild ride. <laughs> yeah. And I still do try and read the Bible every single day and encourage others to do it. Because I believe that that prayer, church, fellowship, accountability, just vulnerability, transparency with others, is is how you keep that walk in a forward direction. Yeah. Mark, can you, uh, I want to just go back a little bit here to those early moments walking with God. You know, you reading your Bible and uh, really making that commitment. Yeah. You know, yeah. from an early age, I mean, at 16, you were already involved in so much. Too much. And now here comes... Jesus into your life, mm -hmm. and I'm, and, and and I know you're giving us the sum up version of how everything yeah. happened, but can you give us a little bit more insight into the process of how God 
begin to heal you and kind of free you from all of these things and what was happening as you were reading the scriptures and you were getting uh, into a personal relationship with God? Part of my journey, my journey is very different than others. And I'm counseling people all the time who are going through rehab or, or working through the 12 steps. And for some of them, it's, it's a lifelong process. For me, it was very, very different. And I wish that I could wish it on everybody that gets delivered. But we are not always like that. I have a very addictive personality. If you can't tell, if I do reggae, I'm going to be that. I start a genre of gospel reggae. If I, you know, I, I used to do dreads. I did the best dreads for everybody. You know, whatever it was, I, I embrace it and I go all in. And so I would recommend for anybody to not, you can't halfway it. It's like being half married. You just can't do it. You just got to go all in for it. And for me, Jesus was was my substitution in that he took my death and, and even my sins upon himself. Uh, he you know washed them clean. But in, all, in other ways, he's my substitution, meaning that it was no longer drugs. It is now this. So like, for instance, you go to an AA meeting, not that I go to them anymore, but I used to, you know, they're like substituting <laughs> alcohol, let's say, for nicotine and caffeine, right? And a book. Uh, for me, I was substituting Christ, substituting the world with Christ, substituting intimacy with a woman or what I called intimacy with uh, intimacy with Jesus that was much more lasting. And the thing that I found was that I like to say this a lot, and I know I'm not supposed to preach here, but never trade momentary pleasure for a lifetime of regret. And it's something that I've just kind of had one way or another and one wording or another. I've had this ability to play my decision down the line. And I believe that I got the insight of that after coming to Christ. I'm sure as heck didn't have it before. But being able to see and realize now that, okay, if I do this, this leads to this, 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 this all the way down. And so I've tried my best to use that insight, that that wisdom, um, so those early days with Jesus, I wouldn't train him for the world. And the world's ahead of you. At that case, I was so young, you know, literally in my prime, 18, just turned 18. I had the world ahead of me. The crazy thing is that how many people at 17 start what they're going to do for the rest of their life. You know, so I'll see a friend from, you know, at school. And I'll be like, dude, you're a doctor. I'm so proud of you. He's like, dude, I'm proud of you. You've been doing what you were doing since high school and you love it. You do it with your wife and your kid and your... You know, that time with God to me is just as precious today. But yeah, there is that sweet, that sweet intimacy at the beginning. That's like, wow, I'm learning about him. But I grew up in the church. So like I said, a lot of that stuff, I knew, I knew, I knew application. Hmm. You could almost do it in one inhale. And all of a sudden it's like, it's like Neo in the matrix. All of a sudden he knows Kung Fu. I'm like... Oh, crud. All of a sudden, I know recovery because I went to all these groups wow. and I heard all these old guys for years and I, sh- I, I you know, I, tr- I shut them down, but it doesn't come back void. But obviously, the, the heart of that is the prayers of my, of my parents. And that's, that's one of the things that I like to say a lot in churches is if you're a mother, a grandmother, a parent, concerned elder of any sort, 
about somebody, just never start not stop knocking and asking and seeking because God God answered with me. Yeah. Are your parents still with us? They're still with us. What is their reaction, or you know, even now as they've seen what God has done through you, and obviously your ministry has taken Christian reggae to a whole different level. Yeah. Of impacted the entire world. What is what are those conversations like now as they're seeing where you're at today or or what was it like even as it was happening? You know, uh, they're my biggest cheerleaders. They're our biggest supporters, our biggest prayer warriors, uh, our best friends. I feel like all those years when I was just pushing against them, rebelling against them, I was such a jerk, and I feel so bad for it, and I apologize a lot. And they're like, Mark, you don't need to apologize anymore. We we just have an intimacy and a love for each other, you know, whether we're going on vacation together or, or you know, just tonight I'm, I go from here to a dinner with them, and I just, it's a love fest. I can't explain it. And there's nothing like hearing those words from my dad that he never heard from his dad. I am so proud of you, son. Hmm. And, they, you know, when I'm, whenever I'm at... Wherever I'm at in the world, if it's a live stream concert, even though they've seen the concert a thousand times, they're watching and they're cheering on. And now to see their grandchild singing with me, <laughs> you know, our daughter Ziza is lead singing in music videos and stuff. And it's, there's nothing like it, man. Honestly, this is, this is the beginning of the happily ever after. It's the glimpse of the glimmer of what paradise is going to be like, which will be so much better but yeah it's sweet it is possible to go from doing this to just doing this and having this beautiful relationship mark since that moment 17 years old yeah um where you totally surrendered to god and became on fire for him how long has it been since then 34 and a half years 34 you know what's crazy it feels like last month dude it's it's a there's a zeal there's a fire if you fan it the flame keeps going, dude. <laughs> it keeps going. In this last, in these last thirty-four years, just in a nutshell, um, you've seen the world quite literally, literally, yeah. Um, reaching people through a genre that many would write off, you know, as no good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've are sharing Jesus through it. Now you're even preaching to people, and yeah. you went from being a band to really being a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to us about these last 34 years and what you have seen God do as you've said yes to this call? Well, at first we tried to fit into the industry. That was like probably the first 10 years. We don't fit in. We don't fit in. We don't, we, we're not the kind of band that plays on radio. We moved to Nashville, tried to do the whole thing. I repented of that eventually. We're, we were the only reggae band in all of the state of Tennessee. It was just... It was cool. We had the the highlights. We signed on Toby Mac's label and toured with DC Talk and other big bands, but it just wasn't right. Something was off. And part of that was the inner workings of the band and different band members. And and it all comes down to discipleship, all comes down to accountability, all comes down to how can two people walk together if they're not in agreement. And so we saw, I, I saw a big split. A lot of the band members were like, hey, you know, we don't want... Any more preaching? Like uh, that's kind of what we do. I can't say Christ first without saying Christ first. Well, yeah, we don't even like the name. I'm like what? Yeah, we want to get rid of these band members, and we want to 
just sing about he, him, love, and you, and peace. I'm like, that's not the band that I asked each of you to join. That's not the band that I started by myself. I'd love for you to continue on with me. They're like, no, we're going to go and do our own thing. That was tough. And they went on with the label. And nobody in the industry would touch me because that label said, don't touch this guy. He's a competition. So that's, that was tough. But God used that to have us start our own label with a different distributor. And then it was no longer industry standard. It was ministry standard. We're going to be a ministry. You know what? We're not going to compromise. We're always going to preach the gospel, no matter what. I always said that, but now I don't have anybody that's going to try and keep me from doing that. So for a while we did that, and then I felt God was saying, I want you to go even deeper. And now it's no longer ministry standard. It's mission standard. Now you're not going to focus on the first world nations that can afford to bring you out. You're not going to focus on the honorariums in order to go. You're going to go, and I'm going to provide as you go. Wow. And that happened when we were in New Caledonia flying to a little island called Lifu that nobody's ever heard of before. And that was when he's like, yeah, this is this is where the Toby Max and the uh, Hillsongs and all these other guys will never go. These are the places I want you to go. These are the places reggae is king. This, this is the gospel. The gospel we preach to every nation, and then the end will come. This is the great commission, not the great suggestion. And so I said, okay. And um, the last split brought us down to three people, and everybody else went secular, pretty much. And then I said, okay, to the guys, here we are. God's told me we're going to become missionaries. By this day, we're going to be, I want each of you to raise funds, and from then on, we're not getting paid. We're just going to go and trust. And by that day, we lost everybody but three, my wife and our keyboardist, Justin. And we started again, Remnant Rising like uh, Gideon's, Gideon's Army. I wouldn't trade that for the world because that was when the 91 nations came about. Each year we do about 20 nations. In the last seven months, we've seen about a million decisions. About seven years, we've seen about a million decisions for Christ. Wow. All glory to God. Nothing to do with me. It's all about Jesus. But it all came about through that one guy giving that modern-day rendition of the prodigal son when I was 17, and um, me saying yes, no more to sin, yes to him. Mark, who is Jesus to you? My best friend, my inspiration, my muse, my he makes my soul sing. He's the only one who satisfies my soul. Everything I tried, all the things that gave me temporary joy, left me emptier than before. But with Jesus, I say there's no high like the most time, but man, there really isn't. There's no buzz. There's, there's no buzz kill, should I say. There's no no regret afterwards. It's um, the path of least resistance and the most beautiful wake of, imagine a bed of flowers following you everywhere. You know, his goodness and mercy follows me. It is not easy. And following him is the path of greatest resistance in the world. But he's my all in all. And I do my best, my best to find success in the world. And success in the world is not found in the world. It's found out of this world. And it's not found in Grammys. It's not found in number one albums. It's found in Jesus saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I'm, I try to funnel everything I do in life through that, through how 
what I do now will be received in heaven, not how it will be received here. And ultimately, how many people I can bring there, because that's the only thing you can really change. I don't know why God has chosen us, but we're the, the, the team that nobody knows about, that we're the, the secret SEAL team going in and setting up in these random places and seeing these, these massive harvests and just be like, what is God doing? I'm blown away by him every day. We just confirmed Uruguay. I never thought I would go there. Uruguay, what the heck? God is so good. Mark, for those who are watching and desire that that fire that they see in you, or they yeah. desire that enthusiasm to share the gospel, mm-hmm. to go out and do what God is telling them to do, um, could you just give a word of encouragement to those who uh, don't know how to get there and they just feel lost and don't know how to get on fire for Jesus or don't even understand how that happens? What's a word of encouragement that you would give them watching? We say uh, the same thing every night after I give the altar call, after I give a call to salvation. We encourage people, the person who prays with Jesus stays with Jesus, P-R-A-Y-S. First thing, it starts with prayer. It starts with actually talking with him. And and that means an honesty, an intimacy. We're going through Psalms right now, and um, sometimes it's crying out, sometimes it's shouting at him, but it's keeping that communication going. And it's uh, it's a lot of listening, but it's a whole lot of talking too. And then the R, reading the Bible. This is something I've really, really been harping on lately. I, I would challenge anybody, just after you watch this, go and read Psalm 1 and then go and read Joshua 1. Read those two and look for the parallels on meditating on his word, on his law, day and night. And, and what happens when you do the promises of the, the abundant life, the, the fruit, the like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And, um, and just the end result of that is just undeniable. And man, I counsel a lot of people. They're struggling with porn. They're struggling with this addiction or that struggle. And the one thing that corresponds with that, when they're having a bad day, they're not spending time with God. And when they start having those victories is when they've gone 14 days straight spending time with God. There's something about that. They say the Rastas, I know I'm not a Rasta, but they say a chapter a day keeps the devil away. I don't know if it's necessarily true, but it's definitely part of the walk. Pray, read, attend church. You can't do it on your own. Find a group, a body of believers. YouTube is awesome. We've got videos up there. Christ of I Band, all kinds of music videos. These testimonies are awesome, but this is not fellowship. You've got to be a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. And not just attending church, but being a part of a small group is probably even more important. A group of people that will look you across the table. I just had a lunch, just came from it where you look somebody across the table and you say, how are you doing in your area of weakness? And you're transparent with each other. And then yielding to the Holy Spirit, that is, for me, putting Jesus first. I sign that as an autograph all the time. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So letting him go first, letting him take the lead, not saying, no, this is my way, let's go. Say your way to Yahweh. And then lastly, sharing that faith. And I think that's where the zeal 
continues because as you're dealing with new believers that are just coming to Christ, it reminds you and it gives you a freshness and you're no longer stale anymore. It's, I don't know how it's possible for a piece of stale bread to get in, in between a loaf of good bread and get, get good. That doesn't happen with bread, but it can with Christians. And, and, and part of that, that sharing is going. So I think everybody should do at least one mission trip somewhere. And that is a real fire. When you start to see the zeal of, of a Brazilian or a Kenyan for, the, for Jesus, you realize, wow, we suck here in America. We've got to step it up. This Jesus is real. Imagine what it's like in an underground church in China. You know, imagine what you can learn from a 24-hour service where they're just like practically worshiping the word because they just love it so much and we don't even care. How often does your pastor even preach from it anymore? So there's something about that zeal and, and, and sharing and, and, yeah, I guess Christians are like fertilizer. We're only good when you spread out. If we pile together, we stink. <laughs> so go and share. And, and when you do that, pray, read, attend, yield, and share. For me, that's, that's my method of, of keeping it fresh, of, of circulating that, that water so that it doesn't become like this stagnant swamp. Something's pouring into you. Someone's pouring into you, and you're pouring out to others. Hmm. Mark, could you pray for those who are ready to answer the call for those who are ready to follow Jesus, to lay down their lives. Um, could you just pray for them as they're watching right now? That's why I'm here. That is why I'm here. That is the only reason why I'm here. And I'm so excited I get to do this. If you just watch this and you're like, I want what he has, your relationship with Jesus is going to manifest in a different way than mine. And how you work through all these things that are in your past is going to manifest in a different way. But the God of all creation loves you so much that he died for you so that you could live for him. And he wants to live with you eternally, but you can't get to heaven unless you've been forgiven. And so that's something you can't do on your own. You have a part in it. You repent. You ask forgiveness for your sins. I'm not proud of any of the things I just shared. In fact, before we even did the interview, I'm like, dude, should I tell this stuff? Because I feel bad about it. You should feel bad about your past. But know that God will give you a whole new future. So just bow your head right now and just tell him you're sorry for your sins. Tell him you have missed the mark that his plan for you is holiness and living right and you have failed. You don't need to recount every single sin, but you do need to be sorry for it. And you have to be willing to turn away from it. You have to be willing to, to literally say, God, I'm going in the opposite direction. And that direction is you. And if you're at that place right now, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I repent. You died for me. I will live for you. You rose from the dead. Raise me up out of this mess. Give me eternal life. I call upon your name. Save me. Give me heaven. I am forgiven. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, as I'm praying that right now, I am higher than I ever was on any drug I ever used. 
I am floating right now. Better than using nitrous oxide while listening to Dub's Side of the Moon, I am lit by Christ. And I pray that you are on fire for Christ. But when you have that feeling, when you get those goosebumps, it doesn't always last. So you got to keep using. And that using is the word, prayer, church, sharing your faith. Go therefore. Hey, everybody. I hope the new testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are. Do you ever stop and look back over your life and think about how good God has been to you? Think about how far he brought you and how he had kept you while danger was all around you. Have you ever been sick down on your bed and think about how God came in and moved your aches and pains? I'm sure somebody out there can agree with me today when I look to heaven and say, Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's the reason I want to thank you, Jesus. Lord, I know you've been so good. Lord, I know you've been so Lord, I know you've been good. You watched over me all night long.
Christian home. We were a Lutheran family. We, we went to church on a regular basis, Wednesdays, Sundays, evenings, you name it. We were, we were in the church building. It was very much a part of our lives culturally, but there was only one problem, and that was that I had never actually met Jesus. I was religious by culture, not because I had met him. My process of coming to know the Lord um, is a long one, and it actually starts with my sister denying the faith. I have an older sister. She's two years older than me. In high school, she begins to question her faith and the faith of our family chooses to not identify as a Christian and instead pursue other things, pursuing Buddhism, pursuing the occult, spirituality, all, all different things. And she begins to practice these other faiths in our house. And when that happened, stuff started happening in the house that no one could explain. I remember actually some very keen memories of waking up in the middle of the night and you're thirsty and you go to the kitchen and you're trying to you know, go get a glass of milk or something and then feeling like someone was following me around the house. And I would turn around to see who was there and there wouldn't be anyone there. But I would have this, this feeling of, of fear that someone was right there behind me and was going to get me. I wouldn't know until many years later why that, that was the case. But the more my sister practiced these things, the more strange things happened in our home. Uh, she ends up uh, uh, being diagnosed with some mental illness. 
chooses to go to university, goes to university. You know, for, for me and my family, it was sort of like, oh, that funny sister is, uh, is finally out of the house. So what ends up happening is several years later, I'm pursuing a life just like anyone else. So I rejected the faith when I was in high school, went off to college, and I lived a life just to gratify all my desires, anything that, that I wanted, anything that I took pleasure in, I, I just pursued after it. So for me, it was relationships with, with women. It was pornography. It was drinking and partying. It was pride, wanting to be successful. I was a, a college uh, track athlete. And so that was my whole life. And I really had no no desire to find anything else. And so I felt like I really, I really had everything. But then at the same time, I didn't. And the more I pursued this lifestyle, the, the, the more I was pulled down, the, the more I felt uh, empty in, in my heart and, and uh, wanting to, to fill myself up and to get the things that I wanted, thinking it would make it all better. And it was actually at the lowest point of my life, what I would say just in my relationships and the choices that I was making, I, I got a phone call from my sister. Now, this is the same sister that everyone thought kind of went crazy. And she calls me and says, Greg, I've, I've met Jesus. And, and I was taken aback. Like, what, what do you mean you, you met Jesus? I, I know the struggles in your life, the things that you have pursued. You were adamant against the, the, the church. You pursued all these other faiths. You struggle with mental illness, all, all these things. And what do you mean you met Jesus? And so she told me her story. She told me the story of of pursuing the things she was pursuing, meeting a friend who introduced her to a local church and there at the local church entering into a somewhat of a counseling relationship with one of the pastors there. And that pastor was able to explain the gospel, was able to talk to her and help her process things in her life. And, and what ended up happening is they that pastor identified that there were spirits at work inside of my sister that was not the Lord. And over the course of of several meetings and several months and through prayer and, and all these things, she ends up being delivered from all these spirits. I believe it was six spirits were cast out of her. And when they were cast out, she came back into her right mind. A lot of the things that she had struggled with, with uh, depression or, or really radical mood swings, whatever it was, it, it all just sort of left. And she's explaining this to me and she, she's explaining that the pastor told her the gospel and and after she was delivered, the pastor explained that it was Jesus who set her free from all these things. It was Jesus who transformed her life, delivered her, and has now provided a way for her to be saved, to be forgiven, to be new. And uh, I'm just sitting there on the phone and confused, I would say, was the emotion I felt. Confused by the story I was hearing, frustrated that my sister, who I once thought was kind of crazy, is now acting very still kind of crazy, but in a different way, right? Now about the gospel, and, and I just didn't know what to do with it. And then she said, Jesus wants to introduce himself to you. Uh, for me, that was a line that was crossed. I didn't want to meet Jesus. I, I wanted to continue running after women. I wanted to continue doing the things that I was doing. I didn't want to give up my life. I loved my life. And so when she said that Jesus wants to meet me, that that was not good news for me. But my sister actually continued to pursue me. She loved me. She sent me messages on my phone. She would call me. She would encourage me. She would tell me that Jesus is real, the gospel is real, that he really does want to meet you. And whenever you're ready, Jesus will come and he'll introduce himself to you and you can meet him and have an opportunity to come into his kingdom. Again, this, this language is weird to me at the time. But she was very consistent at it. 
About a year goes by and we're coming up to 4th of July weekend. This was, the year was 2010 and my family was doing, you know, a typical celebration that, you know, we Americans do on the 4th. And then my sister shows up. That was crazy because she lived in California. So she drove over 10 hours to come to this family holiday. And when she gets there, she says, I came because God told me to come because I think that he wants me to pray with you and that he wants to introduce himself to you now. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, this is a year, a year of her pursuing me, a year of her telling me all these things. And, and, and now she's here. And I kind of felt cornered. And it was funny, actually, the way that she did it. I was actually had a plate of food and I was going through the food line and she comes up and says, oh, Greg, I'm, I'm supposed to pray with you. And I was kind of mad at her. Like, what do you mean do you want to take time to pray? Like, we're here to celebrate the 4th of July. I just want to eat my cheeseburger and eat my chips and watch fireworks later tonight and just be left alone. And, and she said, no, Jesus wants to meet you and, and he's sent me here so that that could happen. And, you know, I actually told her yes. And, and I, I sort of did it, I think, just to get her to leave me alone. Because I didn't believe that God was real or that if he was real, that he obviously didn't care about me. And so I thought, you know, okay, what's, what's two minutes? She'll pray for two minutes, nothing will happen, and then I'll move on with my life. And so I agreed to it. And we, we went down to a quiet place and we, we sat down and my sister says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start praying. And so I said, okay, and just kind of sat there quietly. And, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Now, I was raised in the Lutheran church. And so praying to me was, you know, a, a written prayer, maybe the Lord's prayer, maybe, maybe something else. So I was kind of waiting for her to, to pull it out and start reading and she didn't. She, she laid hands on me and, and she closed her eyes and she just started praying. And I was so confused because I didn't understand anything that she was saying. And the more that I listened to her, the more that I realized she's not speaking any, she's not speaking English. She, she's speaking something else. It doesn't sound like really anything that I've ever heard before. She's just sort of speaking gibberish, but she's very, she's very serious about it. And if you could see the picture, I'm looking at my sister she's praying for me with her eyes closed and it's just this kind of awkward scene and then i start getting angry and i don't want to be there anymore and i, I want to leave and i i kind of try to get up and go and I, I can't move i'm just sort of stuck but it doesn't make any sense why why would i be stuck no one was touching me other than my sister's hand on me and you know i'm i'm, I'm a big guy i'm i'm over six four you know 220 pounds you know and yet i i can't move and and so i just sit there and my sister's praying and so I close my eyes and then I begin to realize that I can understand what she's praying now. I can't understand what she's saying, but I knew the language that she was speaking. I mean, it was the same sensation like if you're sitting in the airport and the person next to you is speaking Russian on the phone, you don't speak Russian, but when you hear it, you know what it is. That was my experience. So now I'm beginning to hear her and I'm beginning to hear that she's speaking a real language. And then I begin to realize that it's a language I've heard before. And then I know what language it is. She's speaking Hebrew, modern Hebrew. And, and I was so shocked because I, I mean, I know my sister. I know that she's, she's never studied Hebrew before. She, she can't speak this language. How is she praying in a language that she has never learned before? That, that does not make sense. And I, I begin to kind of feel afraid. And then as I feel afraid, I begin to feel a presence in the room that I had never felt before in my life. And it was this mix of, of like beauty and perfection. And yet at the same time, I felt 
fear. I felt sort of naked, sort of unclean, sort of like I shouldn't be in this presence. That, that's, that's how I felt. And, and it was funny at that moment that I'm having this experience, my sister stops praying, looks at me and says, oh, Jesus has come. <laughs> like, what? She's like, Jesus is here. He's here in the room. And, and you are encountering his presence and you don't know what to do and you feel afraid. She was actually describing the way that I was feeling and I hadn't communicated the way I was feeling. And she says, Greg, it's okay. He's here because he is the Lord. He loves you. He died for your sin. He is here because he wants to get to know you. He wants to offer you life. He wants to know you. He wants you to believe him. He wants you to surrender everything to him and follow him. That's why he is showing himself to you. And, and I just kind of sat there and I said, well, okay, uh, well, what do you want to do next? You know, and she said, I think we're supposed to keep praying. And so this time, you know, she closed her eyes and laid her hands onto me and I closed my eyes and I just begin now what I know is praying. God, is this real? Is this really you? Are you actually real? And so I am praying these questions, these seeking questions. And my sister is praying. She's praying again in tongues. She's praying again in Hebrew. I'm seeking now what's real. And again, the presence of God comes. And again, I feel this weird blend of like perfection and righteousness and yet justice and uncleanliness and unrighteousness. Dirty is how I felt. All at the same time. And then I just was like immediately start, start weeping. And I start saying out loud, I know you're here but I'm too dirty for you. I, I'm too dirty to be in your presence. And my sister's just continuing to pray and I'm encountering the spirit. And in my spirit, I hear him say, I am Jesus. I, I am here for you. I died for you. I get to determine what is clean and unclean. And because of what I have done, because of my sacrifice, I will make you clean. You are clean, clean to me if you surrender your life me and like I, I heard him I heard him in my heart I heard the gospel in my heart and I remember just saying out loud okay okay and I'm in tears and I'm just I'm saying okay okay God just 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 take my life and I, I felt his peace come I mean immediately I felt his peace and I, I felt joy and I knew that he was there and but my sister is still praying you know like she knows something else is going to happen and and as she's praying, I start to smell this, this smell that's just, it's just a bad smell. You know, it's sort of like rotten eggs or like um, even like methane gas, like, uh, like the, the stuff they put into, into gas. Like you use a cooking stove in your house and they, they put a smell into it so that when there's a leak, you know that there's a leak. That, that's kind of what it smelled like. It was just this awful smell. And, and I still have my eyes closed, but sort of in my spirit, I can begin to see there's these these people coming. I, I, I know now that they're fallen, they were fallen angels, but, but this, this one in particular was very, very tall and he comes slowly into the room and he's sort of standing in the doorway. It wasn't a normal doorway. It was, it was kind of one of those wider, taller doorways that separates a kitchen to a living room. And he is so tall, the back of his shoulders is higher than, than the crossbeam at the top of the door. And I can see his shape and, you know, he's wearing dark covered robes if you can call them that but I, but I see him there and it's 
this funny feeling of like I should be afraid of you but I'm not afraid of you and not not only that but I know who you are like I'm familiar with this this fallen angel and at first I didn't feel any fear but then he begins to like approach me and he's he's sticking out his his hands sort of and and he grabs me and he starts shaking me and I can hear him speaking he's angry and he's saying Greg is mine. He's mine. He has served me. He has followed me. He loves me. You cannot take him. You cannot have him. He is, he is mine. And at that point, I, I felt fear. I, I felt like he was going to take me away. And, and that, you know, what happened with Jesus wasn't, you know, wasn't done yet. That, that I wasn't really Jesus. Is that, that somehow this, this demon, this fallen angel was going to be able to take me away. And I grab my sister's hand and I yell out and say, don't let him have me. Don't let him take me away. And my, my sister, without, without oh, I'm taking a moment, just turned, opened her eyes, and I, I have my eyes open at this point, and she rebukes this, this demon and says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out. You cannot have him. He is the Lord. He is bought by the blood of the Lamb. You have no rights to him. Leave now in Jesus' name. And then he left. <laughs> And it was like this, this crazy moment where I encountered now for the first time in my life that battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And it, and it was like not a battle. It was like the enemy had no more power. And as soon as the name of Jesus was spoken, that fallen angel, that demon knew that there's nothing that he could do. That he was, he was powerless. His, his power was made empty by the cross is what we read in the scripture. And I hadn't even read that scripture yet. But I encountered it. I encountered this demon fleeing at the name of Jesus. And, and I, I still kind of had this fear in me. And my, my sister just perceiving what was happening just turned and said, you need more of the Lord's presence. And did, didn't even give me a moment to ask questions. But she didn't quote scripture to me. She didn't explain theology to me. She said, you need God's power. She laid her hands on me, said, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And then it was just like, boom. The Holy Spirit came upon me like fire on top. And all that fear, remember, I had that fear that was in my heart. As the Holy Spirit comes upon me, the fear is like draining out through my feet. The Holy Spirit is coming in, and I go from being afraid, like I'm going to be snatched out of Jesus' hand, to being a secure child of God. And the transformation from fear to peace, anxiety to stillness in His presence, to joy, was immediate. And I still remember to this day what it felt to be consumed with the love of God, to be consumed with his joy that I knew now that I'm his. And I knew that because of what he did for me that I was secure in him, that he would guard me, he would protect me, he would mature me, he would help me, he was there with me. I had his presence in me. And, you know, my sisters took a little time to explain what had, what had happened and, and I started asking questions. Like, what, what do you do now? <laughs> what do I do now? Now that my life is changing, what, what do I do? And she said, you know, you need to read your Bible. Go find your Bible. Start reading it. Um, you need to start praying. Start talking to, to, to Jesus. Start having conversations with him. And, and then take time to listen. He'll speak back to you. And, and then get yourself plugged into a, a Bible-believing community, a community of believers that are following Jesus who can help you, who can help you grow, who can disciple you. That's that's what you need to do. And, and she said, you know, I want to pray one more time. And I think God wants to speak to you about what he wants to do in your life. 
later I would, you know, I would read Paul, Paul's letter to Timothy, and I would, I would read how Paul is telling Timothy, like, to remember and stir up the gifts um, that were given to him at the laying of hands of prophecy. And this is exactly what happened. My sister laid his hands on me, begins praying in the Spirit again, begins singing in the Spirit, and then begins prophesying to my heart and saying, you know, in the name of Jesus, God is going to use your story. He is going to move you around to different places. He's going to lead you to different people. And you're going to be able to share this story. God's going to use your story to strengthen the church. And he's going to use your story to bring people, to bring seekers who don't know Jesus into his kingdom. But you have to trust him. You have to follow him. He's going to help you. He's going to equip you. And then it ended. You know, we got up and left. We went back to our 4th of July celebration. And this whole time, I am now watching fireworks, processing how I just met the living God, right? Like, I will never forget that day and that evening and, and, and the time following. And, you know, I went back to normal life. I was, I was working as a groundskeeper uh, with a local city municipality, you know, doing upkeep at, at local parks. I was just a normal guy doing a normal job. But now I knew Jesus. I knew God. I just pray all the time. And after about a week, I started kind of wondering. I'd heard stories about people being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other languages. You know, I don't know if it was from my past or if the Lord just planted in me or I don't know how it got in there. But it was just something I started to pray about. And I remember I asked God, why hasn't this happened to me? Like I met you. I met your grace. You transformed my life. You, you banished this demon. You filled me with the Spirit. Why, why don't I have a, a prayer language? And, and I'll, I'll remember this to this day. I was sitting in the, in the truck, this work truck, and the main guy driving was not, not a believer, and I'm in the pastor's seat just praying, and I, I feel like the Lord tell my heart, I've given you my spirit. I've filled you with the Holy Spirit. Everything is already there. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and speak. So I say, okay, Lord, and I was just quiet for a moment. And then as I'm listening for the Spirit, I begin hearing him, and I begin hearing this language in my heart, and I could hear it. And then I had the urge to speak it. And, you know, I'm in this truck with this guy who doesn't know Jesus. And I don't know what to do. Should I there? Should I not? Right? I had just come into the faith. This is, I'd only been a Christian for a week. And so I asked him to pull the truck over. And, you know, I told him I saw some stuff that needed to be cleaned up. And so he pulled over. I got this leaf blower on. Start up the leaf blower. Start blowing leaves. And just open my mouth. And I just began praying in the spirit and I would pray and then I would laugh and then I would pray and then I would cry and then I would pray and then I would laugh and it was this just the the overwhelming presence of God's peace God's joy God being there God's delight in my life that I had surrendered to him um, you know he says in Zephaniah I believe I re- the Lord rejoices over you with singing and like, and that is what I encountered. I encountered the Lord's presence, His rejoicing, overflowing in the Spirit through my praise and my prayer in the Spirit. And I just, I just worked in, and uh, used the leaf blower, and so no one could hear me, right? Because <laughs> I, I was just a new believer and just, just praying and praying and praying. And you know, thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God for being able to pray in tongues. It is such an amazing experience, an amazing connection with the Lord, and. And, you know, now I've been following him, you know, for 13 years. Now, you know, I'm a pastor and I've been able to serve him and use my story all through the United States and even other countries abroad, uh, Asia and now in Europe. And, you know, I have seen God's faithfulness and I am just so incredibly 
grateful for him. He did this in my life. And I wasn't even really seeking him at the time. It was just like he just chose to reveal himself to me. And in that moment of encountering him, he brought me to the place of repentance. He filled me with his spirit. He gave me gifts to use to serve, to love him and love the body of believers and to be a witness uh, to other people that don't know him yet. And, you know, I am just so grateful uh, for what he has done.
hallelujah, hallelujah, what some powerful testimonies this morning. I tell you, God is faithful and God is good. And many times we think we um, we have it in control and uh, even before we fully come to him. But I want you to know this today. God have a date set where he's going to draw us unto him. Believe it or not, he know exactly who he's drawing, who will come, and who will obey him. I heard the guy, uh, he said he went from Rastafaria to uh, Christafaria. And I listened to him and all the things he did, even as a child, and how his mom took his dad to a crusade and he was led to the Lord. God drew the daddy. So the mom and the daddy teamed together as one, praying for this boy. <laughs> and God didn't just deliver him overnight. But I read it for myself. I feel the spirit of the Lord moving for you today. I read it for myself. Hmm. Where two or three are gathered in his name is touching and agreeing. He's in the midst. Not only he here, but he's going to answer. So they kept this boy on the altar. I know they did. It's the only way he could come completely out. And he didn't come out in the way of, I want to say, traditional ways when people thought he would, you know. Because when they heard the reggae music, they associate that with the devil because of the weed smoke and the witchcraft and this to that, you know. But yet God used this to use him in places where no one had ever heard of to go in so that he can draw unto him. Because we have that great commission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. Under the bridge, on the mountain, on the bottom of the mountain, in the valley, at the dope house, at the bar, Wherever God will open the door and send us, we must be obedient and follow. On your job. I, I was looking this morning at Pastor Apostle uh, 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 Turner. I was looking at what she said because she's over in Africa serving. <laughs> Church services and all kind of, I mean, she have to travel on rugged roads, she said. They're not good roads like we have here, smooth and, you know. But she's going through some things to get an hour and a half to the next service. And she get there and, and, and she greeted by the people. They go in and, and, and praise and worship the word come forth. I'm sure men are led to Christ. Men are strengthened in Christ. But this woman go to do the will of him that sent her. I see many times we think ministry is what it looks like at your church. <laughs> Missions look like what it look at at your church. For my birthday, my birthday is February 27th. But on February 24th, I already set it up with the bishop and the pastor that I'll be having my birthday celebration at the church. And we're not going in to celebrate Barbara. That's why I'm having it at the church. we going in to lift up the name of Jesus. It's all about him. Now, it won't look like your traditional birthday celebration. I've done that several times. And I did it for my family and my friends. I didn't do it for me. 
because I prefer to be in the house on on the day he blessed me to see another year. Yeah. I prefer to give everything back. Back to him who gave it to me. Hallelujah. And without him, I wouldn't be here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So many times it don't look in a traditional way. It don't look like God is in it. This is when we pray and have discernment of spirits. Way back in the day when I first started, well, way before I started, Jesus in the morning. I was in the county jail and I got a, a copy of the book, Woman Thou Art Loose. And the girl was explaining it to me, oh, this bishop wrote this book. And, and I, I began to read it, but it wasn't my type of book. And as I went on, because see, I still had to go back and pay for what I had done. Yeah, I had come out of prison and everything. But there was yet a few things hanging in the balance. You reap what you sow. I, I, I sold it to the flesh, so I had to go back and finish up. So when I saw it, I said, uh, okay, then I went on. Then I keep hearing it. Even when I was released, I keep, thou woman, thou art loose. Woman, thou, I, I, and I said to myself, well, how many times she got to be loosed? This is what I said. Then I, I paid no attention to all of that. Who wrote the book? Or I, I didn't have time for that because, see, the spirit wasn't moving for me on the book or being loose because he had set me free. And whom the son set free, not a book or what some man say. But whom the Son set free is free indeed because Jesus Christ has set me free. So when I started Jesus in the morning, I used to tell people, I said, look now, y'all following all this stuff, but you don't know what's going on in the background behind the scenes. You want to know them that labor among you. You don't want to just be a, a, a part of this and first class with this because it's popular. There are many popular things, but it's not of God. It, it, it looks like it's good. It sounds good. If you tap it, it feels good. But guess what? It's not of God. And if God isn't in it, the believer, the Christian, uh, the people of God, the saints of God, the children of God, they shouldn't want any of it. Oftentimes, I look back at Cornelius. He was a good man, walked upright, gave much alms to the poor. I know he treated his servants well. Cornelius didn't have that keeper. Cornelius didn't have the Holy Ghost. See, without the Holy Ghost, you can't be kept. Now, if you truly got the Holy Ghost living in you, and you truly in tune with the Spirit of God, you, you listening to the Lord, you got your spiritual ear open. Because you're walking in the spirit that you don't fulfill the lust of your flesh. Because that thing will come up on you just like that. Then you can hear what the spirit got to say to the church. But see, he didn't hear that. God, God, God let him know though. Sit down to Joppa. Sit down and tell Peter to come on. See, because he was a good man. But it take more than being good, because see, you can be good today, and this afternoon you can be evil. But if you got the spirit of the Lord, you're going to keep going. You don't want no parts of wrongdoing. You don't want no part of committing sin against God. 
So he told Cornelius to send down the Joppa, get Peter. Peter was on the housetop. God showed Peter on the housetop what I made. Don't call it unclean. And it taught me this. If I pray over anything, it's no longer unclean. Now it's clean. Yeah. I know they gave me the dope money. They made the money selling dope. I prayed over the money. God touched it and blessed it. I was able to help some people. Because it wasn't my business to investigate where the money coming from. But I was shown. So we we can't just be good people. We can't make a, a start with God, put our hand to the plow and then turn looking back. Looking back in our flesh. Because that flesh always want to be pleased. So if you got your hand in God's hand, don't look back. Turn to stay focused. Tell that flesh, no, I'm going to bury you today. You got to die. I'm not going to keep doing God like this. And he said, don't do it. But yet I'm doing it. Not only am I, 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 I'm sinning against God, but I'm sinning against me too with a lot of things. If I keep drinking that liquor, guess what's going to happen? I'm killing my liver. If I keep smoking that, that weed, I ain't going to be able to remember after a while. Then I keep smoking that weed, I'm going to start getting angry. The least little thing set me off. So not only, see, and people thinking it's just fornication. But it's many different things that will cause you to sin against you, mess you up. Keep smoking crack and watch what happens. Keep smoking meth. Teeth rotting. All kind of things happening to you. Your mind is not strong. Because you're not just sinning against God, but you're sinning against your own body. So many don't understand. Ministry don't always look like tradition. Ministry look out of place in many times. That's why he told us even this. Just take me back here. Be careful. For some have entertained angels unaware. All angels don't have big wings, beautiful faces, <laughs> a beautiful robe on. All angels don't look like that. Some angels look just like you and I. You don't even know them. But you know it's something about them. I encountered one. He was so clean. I, I, I looked at him for a few seconds, but I was so busy trying to find my money, I, I couldn't really... Focus on him, but I remember him being nicely dressed, and everything wasn't quite matching. But he was neat, woo, and he was clean. My goodness, his skin was clean. And I looked, but I didn't look. I stared, but I didn't stare. I'm tearing up the car because I'm looking for my money. He walked to me. He said, "Ma'am," he said, "Could I have a little?" Change, if you have it, I'm hungry. He said, I haven't eaten in three days. Well, I was looking in there and I had the console open between the two front seats. And we used to keep money in there and change in there. I I reached right in there and I grabbed a $10 bill and I just handed him the $10 bill because I'm looking for my other money. As soon as I gave him the $10, I said, oh, you crazy. He said, a little change. You gave him $10. I looked. He was gone. I'm talking about in the twinkling of an eye. 
No way he could have left that quick and I didn't see which way he went. At the time, I was married to my ex-husband. I yelled over there, Billy Mac. I said, you see the way that man went? He said, what man? I, I ain't see no man. Because, see, he was watching me search the car, and he was over at the garbage can at McDonald's searching the trash. But he was watching me because I was a ways from him, me and my youngest son, Chavez. And so he he started, when I said that, he started walking towards me. He said, what man? What are you talking about? I said, there was a man just here. He asked me for a little change. I gave him a $10 bill, and as soon as I gave him the $10 bill, I looked for him, but the man had disappeared. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. In other words, he was like, you're delusional now because you don't know where that bank bag had that money in it. That's what's going on with you. But we got in the car, and uh, I think he was driving. I got in on the passenger side. He got in on the driver's side. My son was already secure in the back. And so they come to me, turn the lock box, what they call it, the glove box that's built into uh, the dashboard. We had an Audi during that time. When I turned the knob, the bank bag with all the money fell out. Not all the money fell out the bag, just the bank bag that we knew was holding the money that we thought we had lost. He looked at me and I looked at him. We went on about our lives. After I got saved and everything, sealed, the Lord brought this back to my remembrance and showed me, had you not given him that, tw that 10, you never would have found the money. Did y'all hear what I said? Be careful for some have entertained angels unaware. It's not going to always look like your tradition, what you are uh, used to seeing. We go to church, somebody in that dirt, and we don't want to sit next to them. Somebody's breath smell bad. Somebody have body odor. Oh, no, we, we're not going to be bothered with that. The first thing, we go to whisper. Somebody need to get him some soap and water. Or we might go up and talk to the pastor if it's in church. We ain't got nothing. He can change his clothes. We worry about the wrong thing. Be careful. For some have entertained angels. Unaware. And again, it may not look like traditional ministry. It may look like a whole nother thing. I believe in that hundredth psalm. I believe in coming before him with thanksgiving. I, be, I, I believe coming before him in song and praise and worship. When you first hit the church and we first start, I believe it's a congregation of songs, and we shouldn't be singing for each other and, and trying to find the sound so it can sound good. I think our voices should just come out and praise and worship unto an almighty God who have all power. That's what I believe. I believe we should read his word, Old and New Testament, and while we allowing the word to soak in, I, we should hear some amens. We should hear some thank you, Jesus, because the word holds true and is sharper than any two-edged sword. After that, I believe we should go back to another congregation of songs. After that, if you have announcements for the body of Christ, the whole church, we give the announcements. We take up the offering, get tithes and offerings. 
And if you've got the choir who want to come forth and sing, let the choir come forth. After that, the man, the woman of God, get up and bring the word of God. Sometimes the word is so good to you, it'll make you yell out. I know it does me. I know it to be true. That's why. I know every word of God is pure. And it's a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So sometimes that word come forth that I done tried that before and I know how you I know it worked. Hey, thank you. I know I was in a bad situation and I put the word to it. And it wasn't very long before the word did the work. I didn't have to do nothing. The word worked for me. So now either bishop or pastor up preaching on that word. <laughs> I can't help but say amen. Sometimes I holler loud. Yeah, sometimes I holler and let it last for a few seconds. Ah, because he's been good to me. And I thank him this morning that I know him for myself. I've had many trials, tribulations. I done had uh, all kind of things to go wrong. I, I, I done learned how to stand on his word and have to stand and stand some more. And when the enemy tells me this, that, and the other is going to happen, I don't have to listen to it because I serve the risen Savior. I have Jehovah God that have all power. There's no higher power. No need for me to fret. No need for me to say, I'm ready to get up out of here. I, I don't have to get up out of here. I yet have work to do. There are yet people I have to serve. Ain't no time for me to die. Ain't no time for me to go to sleep, take my rest. I got a ways to go. Then he'll bring me into my rest when it's time, unless he come back while I'm yet alive. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah. So ministry don't always look like the ministry you accustomed to. Pray for discernment of spirits. So that you don't come against a man or woman of God. The next one, uh, he turned to atheists. His sister went crazy. He turned to atheists. But when I tell you, if God be for you, <laughs> and if God chose you, I don't care what you become, you coming home. Hear that you run, squirrel the bird. Go on and squirrel the bird. Act crazy. Be crazy. Do what you got to do. Because on that appointed date that he set, He's going to make you an offer and you won't refuse it. You, did you hear him say he seemed he wanted, he, she there praying and talking, and he ready to go. And he was going to get up and leave, but he couldn't move. Did you hear him say that? I know that to be true. I told you about the day I was walking down the sidewalk towards that lady. And I was going to walk on by her. I, I can't say nothing to this woman. I don't know her. She's going to think I'm crazy. When my feet got to that lady, my feet stopped and I couldn't move. When my hand went out, I couldn't control it. But see, he's only going to do this to those of us that later on we're going to understand and tell him thank you. Hallelujah. I thank him for that day right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And see, that wouldn't have looked like traditional ministry. I'm on the street. That, that kind of thing, people used to that happening in the church. I was in Alabama on the radio with Bishop. I brought the word and he gave people a word. He didn't even see the people. 
Because he on the air in the station, they driving up and down the street, but they listening. And he calling people out. See, that, that don't happen in radio stations. That happened in the church where they can call you out in the $100 lines and, you know, the $1,000 lines and all of that. Mm-hmm. But God is real. I want you to know that today. And if you truly get real with him, bury your flesh, let your flesh die so God can live. Mean it. Mean that you love him. If you really mean you love him, show him. But Lord, when this thing come back around, I don't want it to find me here no more. Listen, I had a bad habit of this. I could not stand people who mistreat older people, women, or children. If you did that, I had a problem with that, and I was saved, but I would get buck wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he brought me from somewhere. I know today people say, I can't believe that about you. <laughs> you would have had to be there. Yeah. And the Lord showed me, vengeance is mine. Pray for these people. Evil is in them. And I have not drawn them unto me. Some have I drew, but they didn't stay. They don't want to be, as this man said, responsible. They don't want to give an account, so they just do. So he taught me so that I could get me under control and I wouldn't be out of control when I saw you doing wrong to somebody. When I heard about a child was bullying another child, I wanted to become a child and let them bully me so I could show them what bullying really was. But the Lord fixed me. He had to fix my mind and my heart. You hear me? (laughs) Yeah, so I could be right with him. And I could know truly vengeance is here. I don't have to get revenge for nobody or on nobody about nothing. Give it to the Lord and let it go. And sometimes I hear the results, sometimes I don't. It don't matter. I gave it to him. And it's already all right this morning in Jesus' name. Listen, the studio is open. Uh, If there's anyone have something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in. So, so Irene, I sent you a message because I was concerned this morning. I uh, sent you a message yesterday. I didn't hear nothing. And so I'm like, what is going on? Let me hit her up again. All right, area code 111. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Oh, hey, Sister Barbara. It's Brother Jermaine. Good morning, Brother Jermaine. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. You know, I just uh, just thankful that he woke me up this morning. And, Amen. you know, I know I've been uh, on a testimony. I've been meaning to, to get in here for the longest time. To, you know, I, I get tired of the archives. I, I love the show, but I'm like, let me give, it, give the sister a call. I need to talk to her live one time. I should appreciate it, sir. Because <laughs> some guy might be like, I ain't heard from Brother Jermaine in a while. He's not in the chat. And I know I can text you, excuse me, uh, email you, you know. But I'm like, usually at least once a month or something, he come down through here. And I haven't seen that 215. What's going on? And then I just say a prayer and I go on. But I know you're busy. I know you're busy. And uh, we know you got the new baby. And look, y'all, I was mm-hmm. thinking the baby was a girl. It's a boy. Yeah, I'm sure was. I was. I was like, oh, this is a baby. It's a girl. 
Yeah, and, and you know Pete coming by, but it's truly a boy. But I thank God <laughs> for you calling in this morning, Brother Jermaine, and let me hear your voice. It's truly a blessing. Truly a blessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, I know usually you do the testimonies on Friday, and I, I just wanted to share one right quick. Okay. Um, it, yeah, do we have time? Yes. Okay, well, yeah, you know, um, I was just kind of reflecting back on how we I first came to the show, and it seems like whenever I'm in trouble, I know this is uh, one of the resources that I have. I know, you know, God is, is mighty, answers prayer, and sometimes his ways don't make any kind of sense, but I was just kind of laughing. I said, okay, it, I'm going through such trouble right now that I must be uh, having to deliver a testimony because somebody needs to be blessed. Mm-hmm. And every single time, you know, we, we know he's answered those prayers, but I think uh, he was talking about faith in 2024. And, and it's all kind of wrapped up together. But for me, you know, it's been a very, very difficult year, almost a year and a half, because I got injured on the job back in November 17, 2022. I remember the exact date. And I was going strong up until then. And I was working hard. And, you know, I come from a lineage of a family where, you know, it's not always a racial thing, but we was taught that, hey, as black folks, you have to work a little harder sometimes because there are people who, who maybe have some opinions that, that are not accurate. So I was working really hard. I got hurt, didn't realize how hurt I was. And while, while I was dealing with uh, some young management who didn't understand how how the process goes, I went ahead and kept on working after I felt something in my back. And I had no idea I was hurt, so I kept working, and I realized I made my mistake by continuing to work, then found out that I had a herniated disc that was pinching a nerve. And it caused me more pain than I had ever been in in my life. And that, you know, I was in a wheelchair temporarily. I think I shared that a while ago. And I got out of it, and then graduated to a walking cane, but, you know, in that time, what really hurt me was the fact that I had worked at my company for, for decades or a couple of decades. I started really young and I was always known to show up and work extra hard because I, I, I love the money, you know, who don't like money. So when, um, when I got hurt, I didn't realize that you're supposed to get a, a form to sign and, and, the new management, they didn't realize anything either. And once they figured out their mistake, this is the part I'm guessing because the this, this series of circumstances after made no sense. All of a sudden, all contact was cut. And people that I knew for years stopped talking with me, and I know I had no problem. And it just really kind of hurt me spiritually because I was thinking, hey, you know, you show up, you work for some people, you think they at least is going to check and see if you're alive. But it turned out they realized their mistake and they didn't want to mess themselves up legally. So they just cut all contact, but they would not fire me. So during that time, I had to do a lot of reflecting on what's really important to me. And what was really important to me was definitely my, my, you know, my heavenly father, my God and my family, you know, and I put Jesus in the morning in there too. My church family, those are the only people that actually cared about me. And I had to come to realize, hey, that's the way it's been the whole time. You know, we hear these things, but we don't always realize until we go through it. So I've been in a long battle legally 
with uh, you know my well they're still my employer. That's the funny thing they they would not fire me because that, then that would be another issue. But they also wouldn't talk to me, so I had to battle the uh, workers' comp. And workers' comp is a nightmare for anybody that's ever had to deal with them. You know, it's it's up against you're up against a beast that is kind of an immoral beast. And I understand there's a lot of people that commit fraud and do things that they're not supposed to do and it's made it hard for those of us who legitimately need it. But some of the tactics and things they do has really been kind of wicked in my opinion, you know, cause I haven't had a regular paycheck in over a year. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a regular paycheck in over a year and I still got family to take care of. I still got bills to pay because you know, the bill collectors, they, they don't care about all that. They just want their money. Mm-hmm. And I and I still, you know, have responsibilities, but something hit me during the middle of that just I was like, Well, you know, I love the Lord and I know we all do, but we're human and there's times where we need a good reminder in our lives that hey, God's the one in control. He's the one in charge. You know, he's the one that says yes and no. And there are times we get so busy and wrapped up in the world that we forget that. At least I did and speak for myself. You know, of course, I still love the Lord, still doing my prayers and everything, but there's something about when you're going through trouble, when you really, really need him, your prayer life really, really gets a lot better. You know, when you're going through pain, when there's suffering, when when there's a real need, you find yourself really going to seek him a little, a little bit more earnestly than you would have normally. So that's where I've been you know, on this kind of faith walk this, this last year. And I can tell you, you know, with a hundred percent, no hesitation that, you know, every single bill has been paid. Some have been late. Some I've had to rearrange and, but sister Barbara, my, my, uh, my bills are still getting paid. Sometimes I don't even know how. Mm. Don't have no clue how some, (laughs) some of this stuff gets done, (laughs) you know, He's taking care of it in ways that, I mean, it would take another hour to explain a series of circumstances mm-hmm. of uh, what's been going on in my life. But I had just miraculous things happening. I, I needed auto work. I, I needed my, my kids had issues where they had to, you know, if, if you have kids, somebody's going to go to the hospital. Now, the policy is they're supposed to cut you off of your medical after a certain amount of time. But my, my medical is still intact. And I got seven people to take care of and not including some in-laws. You know, we have one who has some issues with dementia. We have some other family members who are in need who had to stay with us. And they don't know the extent of the trouble I've been through. Mm-hmm. It's only really my, my wife. Cause we was like, you know, that's, I don't need to share everything with everybody. I just need to pray. Um, but I had things happen like, you know, people that, at my church or people that don't know me just walking up, say, Hey, I want to give you something. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. unexpected, put my hand out and they put a couple hundred dollars in it. I, I'm like, what, what is this? And say, I just feel like I need to give this to you. I want you to have this and mm-hmm. won't take no for an answer. And then I had, um, some of the Hispanic people who do my car work, a, a nice family that they had no idea what I was going through. They did work for me and then gave me such a discount. It was almost free. Uh, a couple times they did work for free, wouldn't take any money from me. Said, hey, you've been coming in here for years. We know you. You know, we were thankful. You referred people. That's on the house. And 
free diagnostics, uh, discounts for family. And I'm like, what in the world is this? It, you know, God has just turned people's hearts in, into like, I call them little Skittles. Just Everybody's happy and <laughs> just doing all these nice things for you. And then, uh, you know, my, uh, had other people just volunteering to do things for me and just coming to my, my aid and my rescue. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, look at guy. It don't make any sense, but he's always, always coming through. And I had to laugh. I sat there thinking about uh, you and Jesus in the morning. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to share a testimony. But another part of the testimony was I found myself going through it. The enemy's trying to put thoughts in you. You know, the flesh is, is always battling you and, I'm looking at bills. I say, hey, instead of looking at these bills and debts, I was like, why don't I just pray over them? Why don't I give them to the Lord? Because, again, if we really believe he is who he is, even the things we think a little are in his control. Sometimes we just don't want to give it to him because, you know, we forget things like, like parting the waters and freeing generations of slaves and, and saving people from death. And we'll we'll tell people all of that. And then we'll trip off of a little, you know, a little notice that says, hey, 24-hour shutoff notice or, or, you know, you got these things that that just annoy you. We, we think they're so little that he doesn't care, but he does. And we, if we're going to give it all to him, we have to give it all to him. So one day I was feeling kind of down, and then I found myself uh, listening to some of the – I really love Jesus in the morning because – if it wasn't for this show, I would have been exposed to music that I, I had never heard of. And I found myself becoming one of the people I used to laugh at as a kid almost because I found myself really enjoying, uh, the, I think it was called the, the Gaither Music Company. I forget the, the family, but Vestal Goodman and Dottie Rambo and Jesse Dixon, those are names. I had no clue who these people were, but I found this their songs to be just so, just so much of a blessing to my soul. You know, they're singing songs that are worshiping the Lord. And I found myself just listening all day one day, just like, man, I, I have never known who these people are. And I know a lot of them are deceased, but the music and the legacy goes on because they did it for God. You know, this wasn't the, the days of gangster rap and Too Short and all the other stuff, the horrible stuff I used to listen to as a kid. Mm-hmm. Out here in California, you know, um, and it's kind of interesting. You see these people as you go through time; they're getting older, and sometimes you used to argue with little kids. That that's the the blessing and the curse of YouTube. They think they know everything. They're walking around with Tupac and Ice Cube T-shirts on. I'm like, you know that they old enough to be a grandfather, right? <laughs> and they people get mad at you. I said, well, just we tell them the truth that you know half of the people you wearing on your your shirt is dead. And the other half is old enough to be your grandfather. <laughs> and, you know, you, you're over here rocking it. You, you should be listening to this, you know, listen to better music. And Yeah, I found myself listening to these people and it just being a, a mighty blessing to me. And, you know, I had to thank you for that as well, because I never would have even thought to listen to some of this stuff had it not been for my exposure to them on the show. So, you know, as far as faith goes, I know, looking back at, at everything I mentioned, every time I've had an issue, every single time, you know, when I've been in the the middle of it, 
I know I come to the show, I get to share, and then God does something to bless. He does something to bless me in such a way that I have no choice but to share, and I know other people get blessed. And it's not about me. It's all about him. Because I know full well that half the time that some of the stuff I go through or have been through, I wouldn't put myself through that by choice. You know, but I know there are times he allows things, you know, and there's purposes and lessons, but ultimately it's for his glory. Because he has gotten me out of things that, that I've said on the show that made no sense at all to anybody. You know, I'm going up against companies and people with resources, and they're like, how are you still making it? How are you surviving? And I say, well, no, God did that. I haven't taken any narcotic that they tried to prescribe me because I've, I started to read the side effects. And, you know, we've been talking about these uh, drugs and, and so-called uh, vaccines for the last couple of years now. And now with all the things that we're seeing coming out, we, we uh, some of us are very thankful we made the decisions we did. But one of the medicines they wanted to give me, one of the number one side effects was suicidal thoughts. Oh no. no, no, I think I think uh, I, I mean unless I'm dying, I, I'm gonna hold off. And what okay. I can tell you is, my issue is still there, but God has taken away the pain because I had a, a pinched nerve. is very painful, and yeah. the it's, it's still there. And I'm actually going to get some therapy today for the first time from the other side since they conceded. But God has taken away much of the pain to the point where people thought I was faking it. And, you know, I, I, when I tell people that, I'm sitting there in front of them looking at them, and I know they're looking at me kind of funny, just like, hey, I, I've been uh, blessed to be, be able to deal with this. As, uh, you should be on the ground screaming. I say, yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm not. I'm screaming out to the Lord, and he took it away from me. Mm-hmm. So I still got an uphill battle, and, um, yeah, but please keep me in prayer. I, I mean, that's the only thing that keeps us going. I know I'm... My funds is getting a little low, but I know that's when, you know, he's getting ready to do something. I firmly believe that. They owe me, I think they owe me about a year's worth of pay and a whole lot more. So I'm just uh, putting it in his hands and, you know, going into 2024, I believe personally, I'm I'm one of the people that believes that we're going to see a, a lot of crazy stuff this year. You know, we saw it leading up to the whole COVID fiasco and how they handled it. Got issues at our border, but it's election time, so you know we're gonna see some, some craziness in this country. Um, they already tried with the, the COVID to scare people half to death while they eat thousand dollar dinners and tell us what to do, but they don't have to do it. My thing is, I believe that we can truly have faith in him because he's still who he is, and they do everything they can to try and distract us from who he is. You know, they tried to distract us away during uh, the lockdown. Said, so don't go to church, but you can go to the strip club. You know, don't go to church, but you can go to the stadium. Don't go to church, but you can go to the bar. All that is to me is is an underground or underhanded attempt to keep you from worshiping who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go to church, but or if you do go to church, you're not supposed to sing. That's what they tried out here with our, our governor in California, but. At that point, that's just trying to get you not to worship. So they don't do those things unless they know it works. Somebody somewhere knows this is a powerful, powerful God. He's mighty, and people get inspired when they go 
to the house of the Lord. They get inspired when they read the word. They get inspired when they get to share testimony. So them doing everything they can to stop us tells us what we need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my motto is I'm going to do the opposite of what crazy people tell me to do. <laughs> so if you, tell, you tell me not to go to church, I'm going yeah. to church. If you tell me you're sitting there trying to give me advice, you got to remember these are the people, and I'm I'm trying to be nice. You know, I know we're supposed to pray for our leaders, but we're, we're being told what to do by people who are looking you in the eye, trying to tell you a man is a woman, mm-hmm. and and trying to change the definition of what a woman is. These are the people that want you to listen to them because they have certain letters after their name, but that's just demonic to its core. You can earn all the educational credits you want to. You cannot change reality. Mm-hmm. And I pray for these people. You know, I'm not, I'm not the what I was years ago where I would have some pretty foul things to say out of disgust, but we need to pray for them and need to continue to be bold just like our Lord told us to do, these wiser serpents and gentle as doves, we can be bold in him because he's the one who's in control ultimately. So, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to share that. I know um, it's been a minute since I've been on the show, but, you know, have love for you, have love for the Jesus of the Morning family, the intercessors, the, the prayer team, everybody. And I just want to let people know, I know there's a lot of people out there who listen and who participate quietly, but, you know, I can feel y'all's prayers, and, and we have to continue to support each other and help yeah. each other. And, you know, even even if you don't have anything to give, you have access to the most mightiest thing that you could ever have. You could talk to the living God. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave us that right. He gave us that blessing through, through Jesus' sacrifice. And, you know, we don't have to wait. We don't have to go through somebody special. We just need to... Go to our quiet place and go to our prayer closet and pray. Amen. I think a lot of times we get distracted from that because it doesn't make any sense. You know, I used to be heavy in the science. I wanted logic. I wanted facts. But what I could tell you is if you want to go statistically, every single time I did the illogical and I went to my prayer closet, which could be in my car, which could be in my, my garage, and I had to go to my knees or even wherever I had to go in my spirit. Every single time, God has answered every single time. He knows when we're serious. You know, he knows when we really are seeking him. And he's going to answer because he's not going to let his word come back void. He told us he would come to get us, and we have to just continue to believe that and face the opposition because we have a lot of opposition coming. And, and again, trying to be nice, but... I've never seen so much outright perversion promoted from higher places mm-hmm. in our government. You know, mm-hmm. we've had people and we, some of us have family members who are confused and going through things and, you know, we continue to pray for them, but we never saw it promoted to this extent where you turn on TV and they're trying to push all this stuff in your face. That That's a sign of a downfall of society and we don't have to participate and I don't have to fight you, you know, carnally to do what my Bible says. You know, the weapons are warfare are mighty through prayer. Mm-hmm. So if all of us get together and pray, we can do very mighty things through God's God's hands. So so yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. Um you know, I know it's been been a while but I've been meaning to get on here and God said today is the day. 
that's my uh, contribution for Friday. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Jermaine. And I know this, uh, God have it. You know, he's got it all in control for you. More than this, greater things are coming your way. I'm going to grab Brother Anthony right quick, and then we're going to pray the prayer of faith for you. Morning, Brother Anthony. God bless you. How are you? Yes, Good morning, Mr. Barber. Good morning, everybody listening this morning. First of all, I just want to give God thanks for life that's been spent. Even in my right mind, allowing me to see another day I never seen before. Thank God for activity in my limbs. And I thank God for where he brought me from, where he's taking me yet. And I just thank God for who he is, me, what he's doing in me. And uh, just this, this morning to be on this line and to see another day and open up my eyes. And, and I just uh, want to say good morning to Brother Jermaine and everybody. But uh, I just, you know, I just. Or just put in my spirit, you know, even with Brother Jermaine's testimony, you know, that's uh, to Brother Jermaine, you know, this guy, this season God is showing you how to trust and, and be faithful. Trust him and his faithfulness to you. And, you know, you, everything that you're speaking, you know, God is showing you, you know, just continue to trust me. I got you. Don't worry about nothing. You know, and you already got those foundations because, like you said, you keep praying. You know, and God showing you where you see there ain't no way He's making a way. You know, and that's the same thing that happened to me, and even right now, you know, uh, things that are going on in my life, and I just had to get to the point where Lord, I I can't control it. I just let you do it, and I'm just gonna walk in. It, you know, and you know I, I can say this too. You know, even with like, with the job, I, I kind of was thinking uh, last week, and you know this week uh, about all the jobs that I've done and all the skills that I learned how to do and then I the job that I got currently right now so I drive I'm a driver for this job I do I basically do the shipping you know I unload so but then the skills that I've acquired over the years also apply to this job because they got different areas and the job that I work they uh fix from uh motors for pump you know even uh electric turbines and all these things for uh, uh, commercial businesses, you know, and, uh, you know, even the uh, motors that be inside of, uh, like, the electric cars, the Tesla engine, you know, those motors and everything, you know, they could, they could take a whole motor and uh, they test it, see if it's good, see if it's bad, and then they uh, cut the wire out of it, you know, if it's bad, they cut the wire out of it and everything, and, uh, we, they got a, a person that rewires everything. They got a person that's a fabricator. That, uh, you know, he can uh, go in and, uh, you know, make, uh, add on to these, uh, the, the bearings and everything. And, you know, just all kind of things that they do that some of the stuff it takes to do it, I learned over the years. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I just think, I'm like, Lord, will you? You know, you put me in this job, and, you know, now everything that I know how to do or done, the job kind of applies to it, you know. So I, I see, I, basically what I want to say, I see that this is a job that I can tie and this will be a future for me to be there. And, you know, that's kind of how God operates. He do things that we don't understand, and he prepares step by step to get us to the point where he wants us to be at. 
and then end it be blessed. So, and I just want to tell the brothers, man, just stay encouraged and to know the healing, even the healing in your body is coming and is going on right now as we speak. And just see yourself healed. And that's one thing I had to do, too. I had to see myself healed and, you know, things that happened to me, you know. And I'm going, I'm kind of going through the same thing you're doing right now. It might not be the full extent, but I got a pit nerve, you know, from having a space in my hip, you know. And I was told when I was younger, you know, that I got one leg a little bit longer than the other. So uh, the doctor told me, he said, you know, the, the older you get up age, you're going to have, you know, problems with the, uh, with the uh, your back. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a serious thing now, but the Lord is blessing me still every day to be able to get up and be able to function. So that's a blessing, and I just thank God for him doing it in my life and still keeping me, you know. And I'm blessed, and I hope this bless you, Brother Jermaine, and everybody listening this morning. And y'all have a blessed and awesome day today. And I appreciate the testimony, and Miss Bob, I appreciate you, this show. And I, I just say, you know, I, I just thank that, you know, you coming to this show and divine connection. God know how to connect you to the people that he need to connect you to, so he can do what God need to do in your life. You know, and you know it's just an example. You know, all of us come online. You know, and we listen to the show and we meet new people and we hear testimony after testimony. But it's building our faith and our trust in God, and it's building our character as well. And all we got to do is just sit back and look at this movement and just see where God is taking us at. See where he brought us from, where he's taking us at. And, you know, that's just a blessing to me. So I'm blessed with it. And I just ask God to continue to pray my friend in the Lord. And I pray for y'all, friend the Lord. And y'all have a blessed, awesome, mighty day. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what we do. When we hear trouble with each other, we begin to pray. Because we know God is able and we keep the faith in him. And I'm going to tell you, I, I would tell you this. It won't always look like it, the situation is going to change. You just got to believe. Yeah. And trust God. And it's happening. Yeah. Because many times we don't have the patience. We're anxious. I don't know where it's coming from. Lord, I need it right now. God, if I don't get it, my family going to suffer. Uh-uh. Lord, I'm waiting on you. This won't bring, this won't kill me. I'm waiting on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We have about 12 minutes, so I am going to pray us out. We pray that the Lord will bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. So good to hear your voice today, Brother Jermaine. Thank you so much for coming through, and I thank you for the, the messages and emails you send me. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for uh, praying for uh, Jasmine Robinson. I thank God for that. Listen, y'all keep her lifted in prayer. Keep Sister Irene, Sister Jerry, and Sister Sherry lifted in prayer. And Brother Jermaine, on the 16th of February, I'm going to O'Kell on the outskirts of a place called Bushnell because the military is having a service finally for Brother Louie. So I'm going to try and take uh, videos other than everything and bring it back and post it on Facebook and uh, I'll send you a copy and send others who want a copy I'll send them a copy as well but alright let's pray Father God we thank you we thank you today for your word for your word is a lamp unto our feet a light 
unto our path. We thank you for the testimonies, oh God, because we know that you're working it out for your people. Many times we don't see no way, God. We don't know a way. It looks like it can't be done, but you have all power. And Father, with you, all things are possible. Teach us how to pray and let go. You heard us the first time. The first time we prayed the prayer, Father, you heard us. Increase our faith. Uh, encourage us to wait on you, Father. We can't do it without you. Bring Brother Jermaine before you this morning. Father, strengthen him as he's going through. And Lord, every dime that's owed to him, send it quickly. And Lord, add interest to it. Yeah, the king of worm got to add interest, oh God, because they held his money up. But you allowed it for a reason. You know what's best for him. You know what's coming his way. And when he's going to need all that, you're going to send his way. We trust you this morning to open doors and make ways for him and to move for him this day. All we know you to be a right now God in the name of Jesus. Father, we bring Sister Irene and Sister Sherry, Sister Jerry before you this morning and Jasmine Robinson. And Father, we ask that you would touch and heal today. We know that healing, hallelujah, is yet in the hem of your garment. And we pressing in and touching this morning that you will heal these women in the name of Jesus. Bless Brother Anthony. Thank you, Lord, for sending in my way and for every testimony he brings forth. God, we thank you. We give you glory. Bless Brother D today, God. Move for him in a mighty way and his family. Lord, you know what he struggled with. And God, I ask that you would make it plain unto him. We believe he loves you this morning. And, Lord, we ask that you would show up unexpectedly. Ah, blessing him in the name of Jesus. Bless every call and every listener, those coming through the archives and the podcast. Bless every household, Father, that's represented here, family and friends near and far, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you today. We give you glory. We give you the honor and praise. And, Father, as we depart this morning, bless our going out. Bless our coming in and meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And Father, I bow before you this day. Mm, thank you, Jesus. And I ask, Lord, mm, that you would send unexpected miracles the way of every call and every listener in the name of Jesus. <laughs> if it's finance, God, I ask that you would increase and send unexpected Miracles of finances their way. Show them that you God today. Not only you here, but you answer prayers in the name of Jesus. Hey, strengthen us that we'll keep the faith. Strengthen us that we'll trust you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. In the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed weekend. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you this weekend, starting February the 2nd, 2024, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say goodbye, and we're going to our last song of the morning. And after the song, I won't be coming back today. Have a blessed weekend.